Hey guys, and welcome back to Further Explanation, the Taylor Swift Podcast. There may be no further explanation by Taylor, but there will be from us. Which feels like a very fitting thing to say <laughs> in this episode, because today we are doing our Reputation album breakdown. I am your co-host, Callie. I'm Kaya. And we are the Swifty Sisters. If you are not already subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and hit subscribe. And join us on Patreon because we have video accompaniments of every episode there and exclusive content for you guys. So you should join us on Patreon. So let's talk reputation. Oh, before we get into this, I'm wearing my... See, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you could see what I'm wearing because you could see the video episode. But for those of you who are listening, I'm wearing my green Reputation Stink Tea and my rep ring. So I'm in my rep era visually. I'm wearing a cardigan and a tank top and sweatpants. <laughs> I've missed. It's been a while since we've recorded, so I'm happy to be sitting here right now. So before we talk about Reputation as an album, I think it's important to talk about how we got to Reputation. And I also wanted to draw a parallel between the albums that Taylor made after she lost a Grammy or didn't get a Grammy nomination. So with the Grammys, Taylor specifically in her earlier work was very influenced by whether she was nominated, whether an album was nominated, or whether she won anything for that album. Red was the big disappointment of her life that set her on a path and propelled her from into... From which she would never return. And propelled her into a dire need for validation regarding her work. After losing Red, losing Album of the Year for Red, she made 1989. After not even getting nominated for Reputation, she made Lover. So I think that those are just interesting, that's just interesting context because Reputation is such a pure creative album. You really don't feel like Taylor held anything back with this album. And I think that that's important. She talked a lot about like writing these songs was catharsis for her and she felt like almost tired after. I don't remember where she said this, but I remember hearing her say this. I think it was like after the Reputation era because she didn't talk a lot about the album in the era itself but she said that it was like catharsis for her writing these songs and it was like something she really had to do to stay afloat and i think that that pure motivation is what breeds her best work for her or at least my favorite work of hers because when you look at lover you can tell that there was it wasn't pure motivation there, just it was pure artistic. Yeah, the pure artistic the integrity reaction. wasn't wasn't. Same with 1989. And those two albums are my least favorite Taylor albums that she's ever made. Just something to think about. So, with her tagline of "No one physically saw me for a year," that's not true. <laughs> she maybe was not physically seen for like six months, maybe. It was not a year that nobody saw her. She had a concert in 2016, and she had a concert in 2017, both in Texas. Um, one was for football, one was for NASCAR, or something like that. But they were just very random shows. But I think it was for her just like a... I don't know how early those contracts were signed, but I'm sure that 
that was for her to just like for fulfill that um that just need to be on stage but she was very low-key didn't do anything she really was taking a break i would like to dispel the karma album now and get that out of the way before we talk about reputation because to anyone who thinks that karma is an album that exists i would like to ask you this and this was worded in such a perfect way by Sarah, who runs Taylor Swift Styled. And she, somebody asked her, like, do you believe in karma? And she said, I will answer your question with a question. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, I don't exactly remember what she said. But she said, this album, Karma, does that album not already exist? And if so, because it does, it's reputation, why do you need karma if we already have reputation i know they think karma is this like edgy like oh it was gonna be so hardcore it's like literally all the ideas and that you're getting that from reputation that's why you think that was like that <laughs> karma comes from a lyric in look what you made me do i don't understand the need for a karma album when reputation exists and sarah like worded that really well she was like why do you need karma when reputation is here and to me yeah i think it's just people just wanting content and there's yeah. so much and the theories and and the and the look at you maybe do music video with the plane and the kind of wings off they thought that was ts6 and blah, blah blah i i understand that because when she when i saw that in the video i too was like mm -hmm. what is this why yeah. is she cutting it's a very interesting visual but i think I think as a collective, there needs to be more of a shift from watching her visuals and listening to her music and digesting her art. There needs to be a shift from I'm looking for Easter eggs and theories for things that might hint to a future drop of something and more of just understanding what is already here. Instead of spending your time thinking about Karma album and theorizing what's, what could have been on Karma or what will be on Karma when it inevitably surprise drops instead of doing that, just appreciate the themes of karma that are on reputation that already <laughs> exist. Karma's not real. Reputation is, so we're going to talk about that. I found something that I wrote down in my notes when I, after Reputation first came out, and I said, listening to Reputation after three years of not hearing from Taylor felt like when your sister comes home from college for the first time and she's glowing, she's laughing louder, and she blushes at the mention of someone she's dating. And you just want to hug her and tell her how glad you are that she settled into her life so comfortably. <laughs> Reputation is such an intimate, cozy album, but it also is very uh, bitter and it's very bombastic. There's just so many dimensions to it and it's so fun to talk about. I feel like a lot of people have kind of gotten lost in the love story of Reputation. Like we kind of went from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I feel like that's just not the full story. Like, Reputation's not just the angry, bombastic side of the album, and it's not just the love story. It's it's both things happening at the same time. It's feeling misunderstood, and it's feeling resentful, and it's feeling angry and wanting to lash out, while also there's a love story taking place. But neither of those things really trump the other. It's really like a push and pull of her inner world versus her persona. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's such a good way of putting that, Kaya, because like we talked about on 1989 in our 1989 breakdown, 
how that was like the first album that she really addressed like Taylor Swift to the persona, Taylor Swift the brand. And reputation is where she's addressing that, but in a way that feels very grounded in who she actually is. And something that I love about this album and about the writing specifically on reputation is the fact that so many of the things that were lobbed at her, like the names and the accusations, things she was called, how people perceived her, gossip, whatever, she owns the stuff that's real. Like, there's truth in some of those things that she was called in 2016. There's a little bit of truth to it. And that's what makes Taylor human. I don't like Taylor Swift because she's a perfect person. As she's gotten more and more famous and rich, she's less of a perfect person. It's not ethical to be a billionaire, even if you love Taylor Swift, okay? Let's just... Don't try to make excuses for Taylor Swift just because she's a billionaire and you like her. That's not how that works. Because she was writing from a place of addressing her image, also with what seemed to be a good understanding of where the line was drawn between who she actually was and the truth to those things that people said about her and the fabrication or almost fictionalization in the media. She was owning a lot of the stuff. And even when she was kind of like, almost playing a character or like playing into it and kind of being facetious or like tongue-in-cheek it's just so healthy and good to be able to do that and to own the parts of yourself that are not perfect or are flawed or have been perceived to be flawed Um, it just makes you much more human and i just love that about reputation because it's like 1989 like on blank space she was very much like i gotta make the joke first so you guys don't have any power, but you could tell that she needed the power. <laughs> she you was know? Like grasping for it. Yeah. <laughs> but with reputation, it's very like, I'm angry and I'm going to be really angry and loud about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck you. And serve like, while I'm serving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's just, it's something that I think makes reputation so unique and just so personal at the same time like it's and very tailored because she really let go of the trying so hard to control her image trying so hard to be yeah cool, trying so hard to get ahead yeah. of the joke she just was herself that's why reputation feels just always feels like one of the last like real like her personality was the main thing you know what i mean because it's like the taylor swift that writes songs to genuinely take out her anger on people that she's writing about like that's a very pure artistic reaction to something to have as an artist to write a song about something or someone that has pissed you off or upset you and she has songs all throughout her discography but it's like on 1989 she was so scared to do that and that returned to form in a way on reputation of being like this is what's pissing me off this is what i'm angry about this is really how i feel about the situation it made the album feel very intimate for Taylor and her fans like at that time it made the tour feel very intimate uh this is a quote that I pulled from Taylor talking about going from 1989 to reputation and she said I picked people who I worked with on 1989 but I feel like they were versatile enough to kill 1989 and make something new there would be no way for me to make something even similar to 1989 and have it be effective it had to be completely different because that album was its own thing So you kind of get a taste of the mentality that she had going into this album and 
who she was going to work with. What did you think of her producers and collaborators on Reputation? I mean, the production on Reputation sounds... People always say that it didn't age well. It sounds very 2017. But I think that you're going to get that with pretty much any pop album. (laughs) People, I just... Yeah. Because 2014 has a lot of that, too. But they try to make it timeless. Like, they try to get ahead of the aging process, Mm -hmm. you know? But Reputation, she was experimenting with things that were trendy and popular at the time. Which is fair (laughs) to do. (laughs) And it also sounded like its own thing. Because Dancing With Her Hands Tied, that song didn't sound like anything that was popular in 2017. Mm -hmm. I did something bad, that didn't sound like anything that was popular in 2017. When I first heard that, I was like, this is like Blackout Era Britney, (laughs) sort of. Mm -hmm. It was just, it's such a tribute to like all my favorite types of pop that are like very high octane like really commitment to the serve <laughs> <laughs> which i think is a good explanation of why i think you and i both don't really love vigilante shit is because mm-hmm. i think it's if the that, lo-fi billy eilish yeah if that pop. song had been on reputation or if she had used reputation style realm production on that song i think there would be more appeal. Okay, we now are going to talk about the magazines. I think this is an important aspect of the Reputation album and era. Taylor had, instead of, so like, with every album, she kind of comes up with some marketing tactic. Scheme. She tries to add some sort of value while also incentivizing people to buy the albums. There were two different copies of the Reputation magazine. There was the orange one, and then there was the The gray gray one. one. Yeah. In these magazines, Taylor had poems. And this was the first time ever that she just gave us poetry that she'd written. And I think that the poetry in the magazines, coinciding with how many songs she was giving away to other artists to sing at this time, kind of clues you into where she felt like her career was going i don't i really don't think she expected i mean we know from miss americana when she says that lover was like her last opportunity to grasp onto that kind of success i think after the cancellation i think she felt like okay i need to experiment and get comfortable with giving my songs to other people Um, she was kind of testing the water there i thought the poetry though was just another thing that made this era feel really personal because she hadn't done that before. Reputation really was a you-had-to-be-there era. Because <laughs> when it's just the writing, when it's just her words and there's no music behind it, like you can't put a, an uplifting production on top of sad writing and then kind of disguise the feeling. Like when it's just the words there for you to read, like you really get the full impact of how she she doesn't have to condense it into a pop structure Mm -hmm. but the magazines was really a clever idea with the theme of the album the idea of taylor playing on her reputation and looking at the difference between the version of her that was created in the media and then the real version of her the magazines were just so good and the way that the photo shoot of the album like she just looked so good in those photos And so you have that, like, very done-up version of her. And she also had those, like, natural, she had her natural waves for reputation. Personal Polaroids. And so you have, like, those photos versus the Polaroid photos that were taken. 
And I love that juxtaposition in the photos in the magazines. I thought the visuals were just so good for Reputation. And I haven't, I don't feel that way about all of her albums. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Especially like her pop albums. Mm-hmm. The um, orange and the green combination and the black and white. That's another thing I wanted to say about Karma, too, is everyone says Karma's orange, but I think you're forgetting, or you just (laughs) weren't here so you don't know, but let me Mm -hmm. inform you that Reputation was also orange. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. green. Snakes are green, but Reputation was orange. Orange and green and black and white. Those are the colors of Reputation. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't need to water everything down and dilute it to just one thing, just one color. There are multiple colors. He's like, how boring would it be if every album only had one color to ever represent it? But it's like, what? well, what color do I paint that nail? Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the lyrical makeup of this album. And this is something we're going to touch on throughout the whole episode, especially when we get into the track by track, of course. This was a quote that I pulled from Mr. Jack Antonoff. And he said, some people forget it. Sometimes something works and everyone starts to rewire it. But she's really great at knowing what it's about talking about what the hell is going on in your life and somehow finding a way to take that exact emotion and make a song out of it. That was the theme of those sessions. Let's just tell this story, whatever that story is, because that's the whole point. 1989 was different. I would send her tracks and she would write to that. We did reputation sitting in the room together. There were lyric ideas or things like that that she would bring, but I would say the majority of it came from scratch. Things would just happen in the room. It was a special time. It's like those behind-the-song videos that we got. That's really how she wrote a lot of the album. It was just in the studio with Jack, in the studio with Max and Shellback. It wasn't her penning things in advance as much. There was more spontaneity, I guess. And I think that comes across in the album. And I think it makes for a very diaristic And an adventurous experience, too. Mm Mm-hmm. When you're just writing it on the spot like that, you don't have time to second guess or to revise or to dilute anything to make it seem nicer or, you know, it's just whatever you're feeling that comes out. The critical reception of Reputation was not good. Very bad. (laughs) Actually, let's start with Look What You Made Me Do as the lead single. That did not go over well. Let's talk about that experience when that came out. Please, please do. remember the first time I heard it, I went into my room, sat on my bed, and this was the first era I ever experienced without Callie here. So I went on my bed and I downloaded it on iTunes <laughs> and I hit play and I was like, what? I love this. Immediately loved it. Because let's just get one thing very, very clear. Look what you made me do is cunt. And it is the epitome of cunt. And it is the most she's ever served. I'll be honest. And it's just not, it's so unexpected. It's like an anti-pop song. Mm-hmm. And it's just, if you get it, you get it. It's the most if you get it, you get it thing that she's just probably ever done. Because even her own fans didn't get it. And her previous fans who love 1989 didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get it. <laughs> didn't get it. So, this is, this, and I felt like it was for me because I grew up with this level of pop music and i mean who expected her to come on a song with absolutely like no melody (laughs) like just 
a, a sample from a Peaches song and uh, a repetitive talky chorus that's just so dramatic and so like everything that she's hated on for of being like dramatic and victimizing and like and but she's saying it like she just doesn't care anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good so good and no one understood it and what can you do <laughs> i knew that they wouldn't we all knew they wouldn't a lot of the i went back and, and read she knew it too i went back and read album reviews from 2017 not ones that had been revised not ones that had been rewritten not uh oh we revisited reputation and we've changed our minds not that i read original 2017 album reviews and the reviews were mostly negative or ambivalent people didn't get what she was doing specifically with look what you made me do that song it's not that hard to get which is so funny you just have to listen to it and take it for what it is you just have to know and like taylor swift and not have a limited idea taylor swift well i'm talking about like for fans people who didn't like i'm i'm shading people who didn't like her at the time and who say that that song is the best comeback they've ever heard today who does that (laughs) i saw a tweet the other day and somebody said when is everyone going to be able to admit that this is the best comeback in pop history? I literally, once she dropped that song, I was like, I'm making a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I have waited long enough, and it's going to be called at isn'tcool13. That was my original Twitter I miss handle. that handle. Isn't cool. No, I don't like you. Oh. And my profile picture was Red Era Taylor in the music video, like, falling back. I mean, I was there. That's all I can say. <laughs> Not many of you can say that. <laughs> I pulled this quote from the Vulture Review of Reputation, and they said, Like Taylor herself, 1989 always came off a little too clinical to be believed. (laughs) Oh, it's crazy. Let's talk about that. So they were positive about it? Yes, they were kind of comparing. Overall, their review wasn't great, but they did say this um, in Reputation's favor, that like Taylor herself, 1989 always came off a little too clinical to be believed, and that they appreciated the more authenticity Organic. on reputation. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just too squeaky clean. Too. It was too buttoned up. How many more ways can we say that? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I'm trying to think of a... It was like maimed, almost, you know? Mm-hmm. And reputation... Reputation is messy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always been the case. Lover is messy as well. And we have very different opinions on those two albums. <laughs> but Reputation was messy good. in a way that felt authentic. Whereas Lover was like messy. a real person would do. <laughs> whereas, whereas Lover was messy in a way that felt intentional, but just bad. That's the worst combination. Intentional and still bad. <laughs> whereas Reputation was like, she just kind of did whatever she wanted. <laughs> Lover was Taylor trying to do 1989 and like when you're trying to force something like that it's yeah. just it doesn't it's not authentic I mean she had had the success so she was thinking okay I finally found my footing I can kind of do whatever I want creatively and maybe they'll I'll finally be respected <laughs> <laughs> well, and then after that didn't work out she said okay never mind scrap that idea I'm going to go back to doing whatever I think they want me to do <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. Okay, let's look at reputation from a 3,000-foot view. This was only her second pop album at the time. That's crazy. So the only thing that any of us had to go off of for what... Oh, I love your nails. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, Kaya has really pretty red. Um, so the only thing that any of us had to compare what this album was going to sound like to was 1989. And, I mean, we knew that Taylor wasn't going to try to recreate 1989. So it was pretty, like, up in the air of what could happen. I was probably like, maybe she'll go back to country. <laughs> <laughs> she said, creating Reputation felt different to any other album I've ever made because it felt a lot less fragmented in its storytelling. It was about a journey from one emotional place to another. Other albums I've made have felt like a scrapbook of different memories, but there was something overarching about the theme of this album for me. I wanted it to sound like losing something you thought you wanted, and in the end, gaining something you really needed. Wait, you didn't read the Rolling Stone quote. Oh, oh. So, there's a quote from Rolling Stone that I pulled, and they said, The songs are full of everyday details. Spilling wine in the bathtub, building blanket forts. They also explore a timely question. What happens to your identity when you step back and stop defining yourself by how strangers see you? And this was the lesson that, at the time, like, Kaya and I so wanted Taylor to learn and so wanted her to understand because there was a bit of distance in the 1989 era. It just mm -hmm. felt like, she, we've lost her <laughs> like she's <laughs> mm -hmm. like i don't know it's hard because she was so involved with fans and there was a connection to her in that way but it also like when you would watch her on tv or something it felt like is she okay <laughs> like you could just tell she was going through something and that she was making a lot of choices based on what she thought other people wanted it's like the ending of spoiler alert for the movie black swan have you seen it callie mm -mm. no don't spoil it uh, damn it <laughs> <laughs> think of another uh, comparison if you know you know <laughs> but so both the rolling stone and taylor's quote there hit at the heart of reputation when you stop defining yourself by how strangers see you and you start defining yourself by your own terms and what you want and what makes you happy and her whole life she was kind of a people pleaser and she got rewarded for it with 1989 because she literally said, okay, I'm going to follow the rules to every, to a T, every little thing. I'm going to do it perfectly after she lost with Red. And she was rewarded for it. But then, and she was at the peak of her success, fame, critical reception, everything. She was like, oh my God, I finally found, I figured out the meaning of life. <laughs> I just need to be perfect and do it all correctly all the I time. I figured out the meaning of life. <laughs> and now I'm finally happy and have everything I want. And then... The turn, tide turned, the switch flipped, and fickle as it is, things turned on her, and it all fell down for no reason, seemingly. I mean, for reasons, which we got into on 1989. But to her, it's like, I did everything right. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? I did yeah. everything right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that picture of her where she's like, yeah. Yeah. Her, fan, her fingers. So why did everything fall apart? Okay, now this is like a loss of religion, basically, to her. This mm -hmm. is like, 
my whole, I was subscribing to this idea, this formula, I was being perfect and it worked out. And now for no, seemingly no reason to her, it's all over. So she can't use that anymore as her guiding light. She can't use fans or success or critical acclaim as her guiding light anymore because they all turned on her after she had already followed all the rules, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's why she kind of did reach that healthy <laughs> ability to define yourself on your own terms during this album and you hear that in reputation but that's a really good quote what happens to your identity when you step back and stop defining yourself by how strangers see you because it's not like she just stepped back and decided to stop they turned on her and so she fell and she was all alone and she was like well i guess i have no choice you hear that in reputation with i like how they use those details spilling wine in the bathtub because she has such nice little personal intimate details in this album Mm mm-hmm and then everything else that's addressing her reputation is just coming from her. It's not, why. what are they saying about me? It's more of, like, how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. That's a really good, that's a really good point. I remember uh, when the reputation secret sessions were happening, someone described the album, because, you know, they can't talk about the music, but someone described the album as, like, a dark, rainy night and you have a glass of red wine in your hand and it's <laughs> cold outside but you're warm in your home mm-hmm. and that yeah. imagery has never left my brain like when i think of reputation i think of that and we know because we saw the photos of her mm-hmm. making this album and like we actually saw what it looked like for her and she said how it felt in her songs you know mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a it's Whereas, world building. There's really a whole it, and it, and it's a world that feels accessible to us. Like you feel not, like I could live that or that could be me or this feels like something I have already lived. Whereas like with 1989 there's you just get the product. Yeah. And it's and it's honestly Midnight's we don't really get the process of Midnight's either. Mm-hmm. But it, it obviously Midnight's in 1989 are very different, but mm-hmm. It's interesting. But Reputation is kind of like the last time she really let us, let her fans in to her inner world like that. Mm-hmm. Also, there is there is the romance of it all and the love story of it all that I don't like, that's like how you said you don't like when everyone makes it a, lo- a love album, which I totally agree with because, I mean, I was never a big Joe fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to look back on this album and think, oh, this is her perfect little love story album. Like, that's just not what this ever was to me. Mm -hmm. And it clearly didn't turn out that way, you know? So I think maybe people's perceptions of it will change since the big breakup and since they've started to see things differently. But It seems like her perception of it has changed, too, Mm -hmm. because she used to, when she would talk about reputation, she would say it's about finding something real amongst Mm -hmm. something that feels fake or whatever, like a that so was how she, she talked about it and mm-hmm. in even her, in the moment didn't see the full picture in her time person of the year which i think was like the problem of why that relationship didn't go well is because she was missing her own full picture she wrote it she made the album of it but she didn't see the full thing mm-hmm. but um the quote from the time magazine where she says she talks about reputation and she says it's a goth punk album she about being gaslighted by an entire societal structure. Oh my god. That quote was crazy. <laughs> and it's like being gaslit by a societal structure? Okay, sorry, that's off topic because I we're not that's not why we're bringing that up, but <laughs> but it is she totally embraces 
all those other sides of it now. She wanted to just paint it as something intimate and personal and about love and not really as tough as it seems. I understand that because it probably was nice to feel like like a sigh of relief, like a sigh into your life and to just relax a little bit and to not feel like you had to constantly defend or prove or explain yourself. But but it's also like she couldn't fully commit to what she was getting and what she was... what Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she didn't want... I mean, she went really hard with Look What You Made Me Do and that felt like a total commitment. The music video was a total commitment. But she still wasn't like, I don't know, didn't want to fully commit in her personal life and what she was doing. I mean, she didn't do any interviews really or anything like that during that era. There will be no further explanation. <laughs> I would venture to say that even on the Reputation Tour is really where you see mm-hmm. the yeah. 80% commitment. Not to say that she, she didn't like, give her lot. full... That's not to say anything bad about the Reputation Tour or that she no. didn't work hard or whatever. Or it wasn't a good show. It's just that, like, if you compare the Reputation Era set list on the Airs tour to the Reputation tour, it's like you can see the growth. You You can see the evolution. Yeah, Yeah, especially that. Because that one was the most bold of all the songs. And why have Tiffany Haddish say she's dead? I wanted to scream yourself. Yeah, Yeah. that moment you gotta you gotta commit to that. Because what's funny. I mean, we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. <laughs> What's funny about that line is the old Taylor was dead, but the old, old Taylor was also revived in a way. The old Taylor that didn't give a fuck about people's perceptions, who was just writing to write what she felt, who didn't uh, wonder how the public was going to perceive her putting a certain song on an album. This is the Reputation album prologue. Here's something I've learned about people. We think we know someone, but the truth is that we only know the version of them that they have chosen to show us. We know our friend in a certain light, but we don't know them the way their lover does. Just the way their lover will never know them the same way that you do as their friend. Their mother knows them differently than their roommate who knows them differently than their colleague. Their secret admirer looks at them and sees an elaborate sunset of brilliant color and dimension and spirit and pricelessness. And yet, a stranger will pass them on the street and see a faceless member of the crowd. Nothing more. We may hear rumors about a person and believe those things to be true. We may one day meet that person and feel foolish for believing baseless gossip. This is the first generation that will be able to look back on their entire life story documented in pictures on the internet. And together, we will all discover the after-effects of that. Ultimately, we post photos online to curate what strangers think of us. But then we wake up look in the mirror at our faces and see the cracks and scars and blemishes and cringe. We hope someday we'll meet someone who will see that same morning face and instead see their future, their partner, their forever. Someone who will still choose us even when they still see all the sides of the story, all the angles of the kaleidoscope that is you. The point being, despite our need to simplify and generalize absolutely everyone and everything in this life, humans are intrinsically impossible to simplify. We are never just good or just bad. We are mosaics of our worst selves and our best selves, our deepest secrets and our favorite stories to tell at a dinner party. Existing somewhere between our well-lit profile photo and our driver's license shot. We are all a mixture of selfishness and generosity, loyalty and self-preservation, pragmatism and impulsiveness. I've been in the public eye since I was 15 years old. On the beautiful, lovely side of that, I've been so lucky to make music for a living and look out into crowds of loving, vibrant people. 
On the other side of the coin, my mistakes have been used against me, my heartbreaks have been used as entertainment, and my songwriting has been trivialized into oversharing. When this album comes out, gossip blogs will scour the lyrics for the men they can attribute to each song, as if the inspiration for music is as simple and basic as a paternity test. There will be slide- <laughs> That's such a good quote. Mm-hmm. There will be slideshows of photos backing up each incorrect theory, because it's 2017, and if you didn't see a picture of it, it couldn't have happened, right? Let me say it again, louder for those in the back. We think we know someone, but the truth is that we only know the version of them they have chosen to show us. There will be no further explanation. That's such a crazy thing to- Oh, there will be- Sorry, there will just be reputation. <laughs> I dropped the ball. Oh my god. That's, That's such a crazy Gaia. thing to say at the end, though. Like, you, someone who has made a career off of showing- Deliberately curating your persona for fans, mixing that with- honest confessional songwriting which those two things do not mesh well at all you're saying just so you guys know the last thing i'm gonna leave you with here <laughs> you think you know someone but they're only showing you what they want you to see here's my album <laughs> that's crazy it's honestly Please that's kind that. of badass <laughs> i appreciate the the honesty, honesty. there <laughs> because it's true and that's what i think so many new fans need to grasp is like we had someone uh, leave a review on the podcast recently. They left us a one-star review and they said, be better. How dare you what? say negative things about Taylor Swift? She had a hard time during 1989 and you were so mean to her. I looked it up and people were rude to her in that time. <laughs> that's a real review you just read? Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. That's not word for word, but that's what the review was. They said that we were too mean to Taylor in our 1989 TV episode. Oh, did we hurt her feelings with our podcast that she will never hear? <laughs> Period. Oh but these, but, okay, it's not even just newer fans, because there's older fans who are this way too. It's people who have become too indoctrinated into stan culture. Mm -hmm. They can't, it's it's really not their fault, because a lot of them, it happened to them when they were young, impressionable <laughs> questionable mental health teens on the internet i mean we've all been there why, why are we doing this you know why are we sitting here making a podcast <laughs> we we get it but we have evolved a bit <laughs> and i just want to say a blanket statement if you I don't, I don't know if it'll even help but they're celebrities and they're in a they're in a class above the rest of the people <laughs> <laughs> that's why they're celebrities they have to literally be propped up above us and their goal is to make money off of the masses of people. So think about why you have the need to defend every little thing about that person. It's been planted that way <laughs> so that you would do that <laughs> to maintain their status. Mm -hmm. It's okay to think critically. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Let's talk about the album cover, album artwork, themes, motif, aesthetic, before we get into the track by track, which is the best part of the episode. I love the album cover. It is one of her most iconic album covers. She had a vision. She had a point. She had a theme. She had an idea. And she executed it perfectly. <laughs> and in a different way... Yeah, it looks good. Yes. In a different way <laughs> that we saw the You Need to Calm Down single cover art. And we said, that has to be fake. Mm -hmm. And sadly, it was real. 
Mm -hmm. And we saw the Reputation album cover before it was officially released, like hours before it was officially released. And we said, that has to be fake. Because it was too good. Because it was (laughs) too much of a surf, honestly. Mm -hmm. It was like, you're not going to get it the first time. You're going to listen to it and you're going to think, what is this? That's what the cover was. It was so impactful. It was like getting punched in the face. Like I had I had to mm-hmm. recover. I had to sit down. I had to ice it. And then I was able to really appreciate what I was looking at, which was an incredible, iconic, cunty album cover. And the thing is, you say you're not going to get it the first time, but I feel like that's what makes Reputation both hated and and why I love it is because it is very straightforward and to the point. Like I said earlier, you would get it if you just took it as for what it was. Because it's very clear. She has her... She's, she I mean, she looks really badass. <laughs> she has the chain choker and the little patchy sweater. And her hair... Her sweater's kind of off the side and her hair's slicked back. And it's her natural curls, but it's slicked back. Mm-hmm. And she has... It's in black and white. And there's newspaper print of her name over and over and over and over again. That's very obvious. That is a symbol. That is a theme. It's a visual with intent and a purpose. It conveys a message. It's her reputation. It's the media, what they're saying about her. She's one of the most talked about people in the world. It's effective. It portrays its theme very clearly. It's not hard to get. And I think a lot of people look down on reputation because of that. But there's nothing wrong with being on the nose about what you're trying to say. It's so good. And the choker necklace that's like i always loved the fact that it's like kind of digging into her skin like it looks uncomfortably tight just like a little too tight to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and i love that detail i also love that her bangs are pulled back and you can see her whole face mm-hmm. she's got a very mm-hmm. sinister looking face <laughs> and i love when she pulls her bangs back and you can see the full effects of her like kind of evil you know? Her makeup looks great, too. Her makeup looks... You can tell she's got a dark, like, red... We really did think this was fake, too, because, like, she doesn't wear that. She doesn't wear And the pose, chokers. too. She looks <laughs> like the pose. It almost looks... I think what made me feel like, no, this can't be real, is partly because on the right side of the photo, it almost looks like a paper cutout. Like, it, it doesn't seem to be a lot of dimension. But well, it literally becomes a silhouette on the edge Mm -hmm. it's her real self is kind of in between the black and the white (gasps) whoa (laughs) do you realize what i just said say it again look at the look at her it's on the left it's very very white and you can almost not make her out and then on the right it's very very black to a silhouette and you can't make her out anymore but you can make her out just in between those two in the gray where the truth is because mm-hmm. we're always we're a little bit of both <laughs> where the truth is because <laughs> wow you guys realize what we just said <laughs> this is crazy because that's the whole thing is humans aren't just one thing we're not good or bad you know taylor swift being a messy celebrity isn't good or bad that's just taylor swift being a complex human she's just a person but it's also just like human beings And that's what I think is so interesting about that, like, whether you're talking about a celebrity or whether you're just talking about a person. It's a thing of, like, your parents are humans, too. Parents are people, too. (laughs) Any person in your life that you maybe put on a pedestal in any way, any person that you idolize or admire 
or even just someone that you really, really love, that you only want to see the good in them. Humans are not just one thing. Even a really good person does bad things, has bad periods of time, makes poor decisions. Because we're constantly I'm learning. I'm just looking at this. <laughs> I can't stop looking at this it's cover just, now. It's one of my most, like, it's an addictive cover to look at. Like, I just mm-hmm. love to look at this cover. It's this one mm-hmm. and red are two that I can look at for so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, She really has perfect lip shape. <laughs> she does. She really does. And the fact that she's looking right at the camera, too. Yeah. Something about that coming right after 1989 where she didn't even show her whole face. Or red, even, mm-hmm. where she didn't really show her face. And this one, she's well, looking... Well, that's the only album she really is looking straight at the camera, showing her whole face. Lover, she's looking down. She's never looking at the camera besides Speak Now, but even then, she's it's her side profile. Mm-hmm. And debut. That's very important. Debut and rep. Debut and rep. The only albums where she is full frontal looking at the face. Full frontal. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Looking at the camera. Her whole face is showing she's not hiding anything. Wow. And that's the two that are left. I don't think I've ever. The only difference to debut, her hair is kind of in her face. And rep, your hair is totally slicked back. Mm -hmm. You know? What do you think? Okay, so. We love the front cover. We've talked about the front cover. What do you think about the back cover of the album? It's very, her bangs are very down. It's very different. You can see where her hair actually looked like during the rap era. (laughs) (laughs) I love, this is probably one of her best back covers to me. It's so intentional because it's like, plays on that, what we were talking about with the front cover being that the truth being in between both sides of her this is like you're zoomed in on the truth almost like the mm-hmm. the words the lyrics the art that she made out of this thing that's just sitting on her face i miss her curly hair so bad <laughs> that's another part of why rep felt so like she was back to her true self yeah the curly hair she had her curly hair unapologetic about her curly hair like that we i really took that for granted <laughs> yeah i didn't know that was going to be a one and done thing She's kind of started to wear it curly again, though. Well, she did for folklore, but that wasn't even really like an era visually, you know. Yeah, I would love for her to to really to grow out the bangs and bring the curls back. The back mm-hmm. cover's so good. She's also looking directly at the photo, so it feels like the front cover, it feels like, don't fuck with me. Like, that's kind of the look she's giving, and the back cover feels vulnerable. Because if you're stuck around to look at the back cover, you're like her fans, you know? Because <laughs> everyone else sees the album cover, but the back cover is more for people who buy the CD. Do you remember um, when we saw the back cover, like before we heard these songs, do you remember having any thoughts about the titles? And... Well, those titles are crazy. We definitely had some thoughts. I remember I did something bad being, what is that going to sound like? Because mm-hmm. the, at the time, like there were so many things that we were like, she could be talking about in the song. What is this going to be? I think I might have talked about this a little bit, but Rep Era was the first time that I, like, got on social media ever mm-hmm. in my life. I remember when, like, each single dropped, I was in my class. I remember when Gorgeous, she dropped the pink uh, post for Gorgeous single announcement. And I was just like, Gorgeous? What is this going to be, like, a commentary on, like, gender and, like, <laughs> beauty industry or whatever? <laughs> I remember thinking that. That's crazy. You got yeah a little bait and switch a there. quirky, quirky little crush song. Because they were like, in the secret sessions, they were like gorgeous lyrics. Cuts glass. glass. 
That's what that's like the shot heard around the world <laughs> in the Swifty fandom. And listen, the lyrics aren't bad. The lyrics are good for what they are. It's a crush. We song. were just it's we were all bought into this cut glass. Like this song is gonna be like all too well level songwriting. Break the glass ceiling is apparently what I thought it was gonna do. <laughs> it was just it was not what we were sold no. by it. Whenever I heard God yes, I was like, oh <laughs> what? <laughs> Also, that's so random. Why did she put that? Anyway, sorry. We're getting too into gorgeous. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Let's finish up themes and motifs, aesthetic. So there's a heist criminal metaphor that continues throughout the album. I love when she takes a metaphor through the whole album. Also, this was the first album where she had the title of the album before she really started writing. And so you can see that. I remember listening to, to Reputation for the first time. And anytime she would say Reputation, I was like... Oh my god, there it is. Like, you know. She said the thing. <laughs> and I love the it's such a concept album in that way that she had the idea for the album before. And I also love that there's no song reputation that it's just it's weaved throughout the mm. the story. But obviously reputation plays on the idea of a reputation, which I think is just such an interesting concept when you really sit and think about it. Like the idea that this album is about the version of you that people perceive to be and then the internal version of you and so many times in my life i have felt a struggle with the pull and push of those two things this album actually came out my freshman year of college and when i was a kid i was told that i was a lot of bad negative things and so i struggled with am i these bad negative things am i a liar like am i manipulative am i selfish and my freshman year of college was the first time where I was away from that messaging and I got to be with myself and understand to myself without that. And getting this album at that time in my life was so important and meaningful for me. Like I, it's just crazy how sometimes she'll do that. She'll release an album that is exactly what you're going through. That's another thing of like, I don't want people to water down reputation into just, oh, it's a love story. Because there's just so much more to it than that. It's about that, that dichotomy of who you are internally, who you've been, who you want to be, and the outward perception of you, or maybe who you've been at different times in your life. Also, it gave us a lot of good fallen in love songs, which Mm -hmm. we hadn't got as much from her. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we got a lot of the love songs, the breakup songs, a lot of complex types of love songs, but the initial stages of romance, this album provides a lot of those throughout from her career, really, from her discography, which is fun. Always fun. And those kinds of songs, those like, not first interactions, but like those first beginnings of something, that's such a classic Taylor thing to write about. You know, she loves writing about that and that's been in some shape or form on like every album she's had and even before she was writing albums just in the music she was writing as a kid so i just love that it just adds to that reputation it's just so taylor mm-hmm. feeling and just because like look at 99 we didn't get any of those like getting like i don't know early stages songs of romance we didn't get like the i don't know, just feel like there was a lot missing that's just very quintessential taylor mm-hmm. and like what she naturally writes about mm-hmm. okay here we go, track by track. God, I love track by track. So I, I think track by track. I don't think we've done this before, but I think that at each song we should share our favorite lyric 
We'll see. We say we're going to do stuff like that when we start track by track. So we're going to rate it, whatever. And then we forget. Before we get into any of the songs, let's talk quickly about the track list of reputation. Do you like the track listing? Yes, I do. I love I love a good like first three songs on an album that really like hit you back to back to back, you know, like mm. get you going. And this definitely does that. And plus you kind of have a nice little a side and B side of the album with the harder songs and then the softer songs. Mm-hmm. You know? I've always felt like the album is maybe a little unbalanced in that way like i feel like if she had moved just a couple songs around a little like close to the middle it might flow a little bit better for example i feel like endgame maybe could have been lower getaway car could have been a little bit higher and maybe even gorgeous could have been higher like i think we could have endgame could have been lower endgame didn't need to be the second track i like it i like like after i hear um ready for it i, I want to be and mm-hmm. like, that's just i guess it's just because i've heard it so many times but if i were just to do this blind i probably wouldn't have put in game second mm-hmm. but i don't know you you do want to break up the slower songs because they're kind of are a lot mm-hmm. you know you get delicate and then after that you get a little bit more to do but then you get so it goes gorgeous getaway car king of my heart those are all the kind of more the less goth what it rock whatever she calls it songs you know well, that's crazy. I like This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things being towards the bottom. I love that decision. I think that was really smart. Yeah, I just... What? Could do without that song on this album. I always forget <laughs> that you have that opinion in it. You do forget that. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that you feel that way especially considering how much i love it i feel like usually we're not that different i on never a song. listened to it like i listened to it a lot when it first came out just because i really listened to every song when it first came out but i just never go back to it anymore but it was so nice throwing big parties jump into the pool from the balcony everyone was, it was so nice throwing big parties Get the fuck out of here. It literally makes me think of Greatest Time of Year by Ali. Me too, and isn't that a good thing? I love that song. No. No. It's great, but not on this That's song. That's a bonus for me. Like, I love thinking about that because it also... That's a Christmas song. But the melody's so good. Oh. Because he break them. I had to take them. Listen, I could deal with it if she hadn't gone on to make Lover. <laughs> I'll just blame everything on Lover. <laughs> So it's like, okay, this is a little kind of cutesy song or whatever. It's not cutesy. The melody is cutesy. It's just, it's very like... Wagging your finger like you're kind of... Okay, we'll get there, whatever. I don't, I can't handle you. Yeah, we can't get to it I'm gonna get... We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay, track list is good. Would have maybe shuffled a few things, but overall, I do love how it it tells a story which i appreciate you have to choose which way you're going with it you want it to flow or do you want it to tell a story and it tells a story not necessarily chronologically but it tells a narrative story it's like kind of what taylor was talking about in the time article it's like you get she's telling you a story with this track listing it's just not this happened and then this happened and then this happened you know it's like a thematic story Mm -hmm. because what i was saying though about the track list is you have those kind of less intense songs which it's kind of like my least favorite section of the album. 
And then you get Dancing With Our Hands Tied and Dress, which kind of, for me, bring it right back up mm. to where we started. Mm. And then you get that one. And then two slow songs to end. So I do see I do see a little bit of that criticism. Track one, Ready For It, which was also the second single. I needed time with this song. I don't know why. I think okay. maybe you go. I know why. Okay, tell me. <laughs> I Well, this is just me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the chorus when I first heard it mm. because it's so pop. Mm-hmm. It's so poppy. Like, not just pop, but it's like those typical four chords that everyone uses, and it doesn't even try to make it anything else or try to make it unique. You literally hear... Dun, 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 like that could be in any throwaway stock music for like a TV show or like anything, you mm-hmm. know. I never liked that. But the verses are so interesting. I love the verses. I mean, the verses are weird as hell for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not something she's ever done before. She basically raps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Taylor rap, but it's rap. <laughs> <laughs> and the really loud, obnoxious and good production that good to me production. So that's why I couldn't really get behind the song. So I was like, you have something so interesting here. And then you just totally undercut it with the most generic pop chorus you've mm, ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That, I think that was kind of my problem is the... Because it almost felt like two different songs from the verse to the chorus. And it took me listening to it a lot and listening to this album mm-hmm. a lot for my brain to, like, adjust. Because and- when I'm in the mood for boom, 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 knew it was a kill, or, like, all that stuff, I don't want to hear that little floaty little pop chorus yeah yeah i like in the middle of the night when she after the bridge now the bridge is a very interesting part of the song actually my favorite part of the song well let's let's just go we we gotta go line by line and talk about it so she says knew he was a killer first time that i saw him wondered how many girls he had loved and left haunted but if he's a ghost then i can be a phantom holding him for a ransom the wordplay in the verses of this song i think is really often overlooked what is a phantom it's kind of like a ghost phantom could be something that you make up in your head too phantom definition a ghost there's a lot a ghost, of the definition but it could also be think of the phantom menace kelly okay. you're in the shadows you know, mm, and that makes a lot of sense for where she was at the time holding him for ransom <laughs> that's crazy you give me my money or something it's hilarious actually Holding him for mm. ransom. She also, on Reputation, talks about money and power just just a few times, but she talks about it very sincerely, and I appreciate that. And I just think, so, like, these lyrics are good. <laughs> People don't ever think about that because it's ready for it, you know? People who get on Reputation, let's do a breakdown. Let's go through every single lyric, okay? <laughs> Listen. <clears throat> Oh, and we didn't even talk about that. She starts yeah. repu- mm-hmm. She starts reputation by clearing her throat. Mm-hmm. I have something to say. <laughs> That's just a little too iconic. Legendary. <laughs> Some boys are trying too hard. He don't try at all, though. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Younger than my exes, but he acts like such a man. So I see nothing better. Uh, uh, wow such compliments i keep him forever i love this I line see nothing better i love this line though like a vendetta love that line so it's almost like she's saying 
like holding him for ransom like a vendetta it's almost like i'm gonna find happiness i'm gonna enjoy this or like to prove something <laughs> or as like mm-hmm. revenge which mm-hmm. i think is interesting that's interesting mm-hmm. that she that's why said she that probably part of the reason why she held on for so long and it makes also sheds a lot of light onto midnights and a lot of the lyrics and songs on midnights. Yep, that could be a whole conversation, a whole mm-hmm. episode. See, <laughs> this is going to touch me, and you'll never be alone. The confidence of that line too is so good, mm-hmm. and also because you could take that as like, touch me, and you'll never be alone. I'll always be with you. But it's also like, mm-hmm. you're never gonna get away from me, yeah. even when you are and- physically away from me. And you touch me and the whole world is going to be paying attention to you. You know, that's kind of hot. Island breeze and lights down low. No one has to know. Something about that line always gave me imagery of the vacation she took with Calvin Harris in like 2016, mm-hmm. which I think is mm-hmm. another reason why the song just like didn't fully click for me at first because I was like, Calvin Harris. I always think of the palm tree shirt she wears in the electrical group, which made me do. There's weirdly some palm tree vibes, mm. themes, you know. <laughs> palm tree themes. <laughs> this album has themes of trees. palm trees. <laughs> okay, so she says, In the middle of the night, in my dreams, you should see the things we do. In the middle of the night, in my dreams, I know baby. I'm gonna... Baby. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do that. <laughs> These lyrics are not meant to be read. I know I'm going to be with you, so I take my time. Are you ready for it? That's crazy. That, and who do we think she's talking to, honestly, when she says, are you ready for it? Is she talking to this person or is she talking to the audience? Both. Both? Their fans and the world. (laughs) In the middle of the night, in my dreams, you should see the things we do. Which is kind of similar to the delicate bridge. And Ready For It is just such a weird song, too. Like, what is what is the verse? What is this chorus? What is the, so I take my time. <laughs> I am ready for it. <laughs> like, she's, it's such a weird song. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, such, such different sounds. Baby, let's okay as we get. Like, what are these elements? <laughs> Knew I was a robber first time he saw me. Stealing hearts and running off and never saying sorry. Let's talk about that. The robber, the thief imagery, It's it starts here. It's also holding him for ransom. She felt like a criminal. She kind of felt like an outlaw, which just makes sense with all the imagery that she uses on reputation. First time that he saw me, stealing hearts and running off and never saying sorry. Love that. But if I'm a thief, then he can join the heist and we'll move to an island. Okay. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and he can be my jailer. Burton to this tailor. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it, Kaya, please. So actor, actors, Elizabeth Taylor and James, uh, James Burton, Richard. Richard James Burton? <laughs> I don't know. I don't the know. guy's not important. <laughs> so true. They met while working on Cleopatra and they were, they met and got married in March and they were divorced by June. Similar, and this is, I'm just reading from, uh, oh, what? Apparently, the Walt Dreams music video was inspired by Burton mm. and Taylor. Yeah, she looked like Elizabeth Taylor in that video. Wow, that's interesting. 
But like Elizabeth Taylor, Taylor Swift has had to overcome like a lot of media focus on her love life, kind of overshadowing her career. And then Jailer too, which is that's such an interesting piece of the lyric because a jailer who keeps uh, criminals in check, which if you look back at this lyricism that she has here, if I'm a thief, then he can join the heist and rule to an island. So he can be my jailer, Burton to this tailor. But also, that's kind of their names mushed <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. That's hilarious. And then she says, every love I've known in comparison is a failure. I love that line. And I love the delivery of that line. Every love I've known in comparison is a failure. Is a failure. <laughs> she just kind of so acts good. like she's... She's got this, like, pissed off, but, like, drunk with powerness to the way she delivers these lines that is just addictive to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so fun. She's a theater kid at heart. <laughs> I love that. I forget their names now. I'm so very tame now. But it's like, mm-hmm. you don't sound it based on the lyrics. <laughs> the bridge to me is the last pre-chorus. Mm-hmm because it sounds totally different because she brings all the production down and she uses uh the vocoder which she uses a lot on mm-hmm. this album where her voice is the are the chords basically mm-hmm. and i love how this sounds because it has so many nice melodies and kind of like um or broken harmonies and just very i just it just sounds so pretty mm. and it's so much more interesting than the chorus but it sounds so much better than the dun, dun, dun. it's a she you'll never be alone I island breeze it's so good mm-hmm. i wish i wish this song would be so much better to me i love this song but it would just be like perfect if that was the sound of the chorus instead of mm-hmm. instead of the little cutesy <laughs> and then i love how she ends the song on are you ready for it that like are you ready for it baby yeah and also the last chorus is i think the last chorus is better because it has the and then she's okay, also got those like production. ad libs when she's going. Mm-hmm. My dreams, my dreams. Yeah, it just adds like more dimension. And then the baby let the games begin. That's so much better because it keeps the melody. That instead of a usual baby let the games begin, it's just a doom, doom. But this one keeps the melody going in the back backing chords. It's really fun. One of my Are favorite performances it? of Ready for It was her. I believe it was SNL. She did an SNL performance of Ready For It that I love. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's so good. We also know that Ready For It was written around December 2016-ish. So That's so funny. Just enjoy that little tidbit of information. Okay, track two on Reputation, Endgame. I have a little quote here. So this is from Ed Sheeran, and he said, I was playing something in Connecticut, and Taylor has a place in Rhode Island, which isn't too far, so she hits me up. And says, I know you're in Connecticut, come around. I go around. And she plays me some of what turned out to be reputation. She plays me Endgame. And I was like, man, I really like this. Can I do do a verse? Can I do a rap verse? And she was like, that is not how he sounds. It's a standard British accent that I can do. Can I do a verse? And she was like, can I do a verse? Can I do a rap verse? There you go. And she was like, yeah, sure. So the next day, I remember I was in bed. I woke up, got my laptop out, put the song on, looped it, 
wrote this verse, and then I went in with Max Martin, who she did the song with, and recorded it. And then Future did a verse, and then Taylor wrote a verse, and we did a video. That's the story according to Ed Sheeran. I wish he had not asked to be on this song. No. Stay in your lane, sir. Like, don't overstep your bounds. <laughs> like, he was not necessary. He doesn't mm-hmm. add anything to the song. For all my beautiful tricks and the way you do it with ease. <laughs> I love when, I love in the behind the scenes of the Endgame video when Taylor makes fun of him. She's like, something was born on the 4th of July. Because it's like, my God, it's so bad. It just doesn't. It's a. Gr- I love this song. I'm not even hating on the song. It's it's nice. It's good vibes. I just don't Kinda think like Ed R&B Sheeran pop was <laughs> necessary. I don't think he added not anything. I think Taylor no. and Future could have had a verse together. So dope. I'm so stuck. Like a like a back and forth something, and he- to hear their voices mixing a bit more, I would have been so good. Yeah. See me. I like this little. I'm gonna call away. Nibby me. me. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Bad boy persona, that's what they like. <laughs> so she says, big reputation, big reputation. Ooh, you and me, we got big reputations. Ah, ah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Ah. It's kind of like an endgame, or sorry, getaway car. Ah, uh, yeah. Although I don't think that's really meant to be her voice. No, that's a <laughs> trumpet or a clarinet or sax, something. I think. It's it's either trumpet or sax that he distorts to sound like synth in Getaway Car. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. You you and me, we got big reputations. (laughs) They didn't. No. Um, He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. They didn't. He had no reputation. He didn't. She obviously did. And you heard about me. I got some big enemies. Love. Love, 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 love. Mm Mm-hmm love that she has addressed the fact that there are big important famous people who actively do not like her <laughs> that's just a cool thing to say yeah i got some big enemies yeah like what the fuck <laughs> you know like uh you and me we'd be a big conversation because of her not because of him. no you like the bad ones too so she's insinuating that she is a bad one which i think is so funny and she's acknowledging that she likes bad men. <laughs> but she's using yeah. bad not in like a good and bad, like good and evil. She's using bad in like a he's so bad, but My he does it bad. so well kind of a way. Um, I don't really want to talk about Ed Sheeran's verse. Well, let's just go through the song. Okay. Okay. He's not even on there yet. Okay, so Future says... Don't make me read this. You so dope. <laughs> Don't overdose. I'm so stoked. I need to toast. We do the most. I'm in the ghost like I'm up in a boat. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea, Kaya. <laughs> you don't know? No. I'm in the ghost. That's the only thing I don't really know. Oh, get. <laughs> oh. The Rolls Royce Ghost is a British luxury car. Mm. I'm in nice. the... I'm in the ghost like I'm whipping a boat. So he's just saying he's driving fast and reckless. Like he's out on open water. <laughs> I got a reputation girl that don't precede me. I'm one call away. That don't precede me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this away. is what genius. This is what genius says about that line. My reputation precedes me means that what someone is known for 
is usually the first thing people hear about them. Each singer incorporates this line into their verse, but Future is the only one to say his reputation isn't up front. He has, however, <laughs> had a bit of a past, notably with allegedly cheating on his oh ex-fiancé, Sierra. <laughs> so his reputation doesn't precede him, because I didn't know that. That's so funny. <laughs> My reputation don't precede me. <laughs> I'm gonna call away whenever you need me. I'm in a G5. Come to the A side. I got a bad boy persona. That's what they like. Which plays into Taylor's <laughs> line, you are, you like the bad ones, too. Mm-hmm. You love it. I love it, too, because you're outside. You hold me down and I protect you with my life. Just good. It's just so good. It's just his flow is so good here. Protect you with my life. I, lo- I also just <laughs> love. I like the little auto-tune on him. <laughs> and then, okay, so the pre-chorus is the first time we hear this. And it's Taylor and Future together. And she says, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to be just another ex-love you don't want to see. I don't want to miss you. That's so good. This sounds so pretty. It's like very like R&B 2000s Mm. pop sort of. Mm -hmm. I don't want to miss you like the other girls do. I don't want to hurt you. I just want to be drinking on the beach with you all over me. I know what they all say. I know what they all say. But I ain't trying to play. (laughs) That is odd. Why'd you say I ain't trying to play? <laughs> I know what they all say, but I ain't trying to play. Yeah. It's not like something she would say. <laughs> no. She was definitely <laughs> leaning into what was popular at the time on this album, which is what she was... Like, people appreciated that she didn't do that on 1989, but she did do that a little bit on Reputation. So then verse two is Ed Sheeran's verse. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> knew her when i was young reconnected when we were a little bit older both sprung i got issues and chips on both of my shoulders reputation precedes me and rumors i'm knee deep the truth is it's easier to ignore it believe me even when we'd argue we'd not do it for long and you understand the you good understand the good and bad end up in the song for all I your do. beautiful trait didn't what you do i hate that his delivery there is so, so bad and i just why? know it's gonna be even worse you don't in have the re-recording. a melodic voice at all or a rhythmic voice or anything interesting in your voice you sound terrible <laughs> you sound terrible and you should be ashamed of yourself you at terrible and you should stop <laughs> yeah i just know he's gonna butcher this in the re-recording like he did with everything has oh, changed i don't want to hear that <laughs> um i love that line though and you understand the good and bad end up in this song love 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 that line Anyone who is with Taylor Swift has to understand the good and bad because they will end up in the song. For all my flaws, paranoia, and insecurities, I've made mistakes and made some choices that's hard to deny. After the storm, something was Mm. born on the 4th of July. (sighs) I don't even care to read the rest. I'll never say it. Uh, this is just bad. This is just, it's just bad. bad. Like, the His lyrics aren't necessarily bad. bad. Some of the lyrics the are delivery's bad. The delivery is bad. We just didn't need them, and it's too long. Yeah. Too Too long. long. He sunk too long. Didn't need it. Didn't want it. <laughs> no. Then we get Taylor's verse, which is forever into the song. She says, I hit you like bang. We tried to forget it, but we just couldn't. And I bury hatches, but I keep maps of where I put them. Where I put them. Yep. Ended me. That's so good. So what is she saying there? I hit you like bang, so we came on really strong. We tried to forget it, but we just couldn't. So I think that their relationship that's explored in Reputation, you can tell that there was a lot of 
back and forth. It was kind of like, is this going to work? Is this going to be serious? Um, kind of a thing. And I bury hatchets, but I keep maps of where I put them. Is a so fucking good. insane line. Mm-hmm. I bury hatchets, but I keep maps of where I put them. That's just so that's just crazy. So what she's saying there is, yeah, I'll bury the hatchet. I'll move on, forgive and forget. But I really won't. But I really so won't dig them up because later I know exactly where they are and I know how to get to them easy access. <laughs> and if you double cross me, I'll use that map mm-hmm. real quick and we'll have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reputation precedes me. They told you I'm crazy. I swear I don't love the drama. It loves me. And I can't let you go. Your handprints on my soul. It's like your eyes are liquor. Eyes on the go. It's like your body's cold. Are you good? <laughs> You've been calling my bluff on all my usual tricks. So here's the truth from my red lips. <laughs> it's just As she's so not good. wearing red lipstick. In the music video, yeah, it kills me. Kills yeah. me. Uh, and I, yeah, her verse is great. I can't let you go. Your handprints on my soul. Imprinted on her soul. That's a serious mark to leave on somebody. That's a serious allegation. <laughs> it's like your eyes are liquor. It's like your body is gold. And I love this because she talks about gold again in Reputation. And there's also a lot of references to drinking on Reputation. So it's like your eyes are liquor. So it's like you are what's getting me drunk. When we're drinking beer out of plastic cups, it's like what's really, I'm really drunk on you. That's just a beautiful line. And I love how it kind of... And it creates the visual mm-hmm. of this album, the like hard liquor sort of <laughs> wine yeah bathtub yeah and gold parties glitter and glam very gatsby mm-hmm. sets all up sets those visuals up for the rest of the album mm-hmm. and then they just sing the chorus again endgame is such a good song it's so fun it's fun oh <laughs> to have like a love song that's so fun like that it's just rare for Taylor. <laughs> it's so fun like that. <laughs> I mean, you, the whole title is kind of something that quickly fell out of fashion. Mm. I want to be your end game. Like, these, this sh- my ship is end game. You know, like that sort of thing. We have forgotten to say our favorite lyrics from these songs, so I would like oh. to do that. Ready for it, my favorite lyric is, wonder how many girls he had loved and left haunted. In 2017, Kai, you said your favorite lyric was, touch me and you'll never be alone. Island breeze and lights down low. According to this note in my phone. I mean, I do like that. (laughs) (laughs) I just told you how I thought I had a specific interpretation of that lyric. Also, that's probably the bridge, too. I'm probably be like, specifically in the bridge when it sounds really Mm -hmm. cool. But, um, yeah, Island Breeze was a very good visual in that Mm -hmm. song. It really, like, paints a picture Mm -hmm. and lights down low. Endgame, my favorite lyric is, I, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to be just another ex-love you don't want to see. I love that line. I love I love the kind of foresight to have. It's like, so it's going to be forever. It's going to go down in flames. She's saying, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to be just another ex-love you don't want to see. She's kind of already dreading the breakdown or the fallout of something as she's just getting into it. And something about the mm-hmm. way she sings it, too, I love. Yeah, the way she sings it is really good. What's mine? Big reputation. I got some big enemies. <laughs> Track three, I did something bad. Taylor said, I wrote this song on piano. It's not going to sound like it, though. 
So I brought it to them, them being Max Martin and Jan Schelbeck. And I was trying to explain to them the production. I'd had a weird dream, and I'd woken up with this sound in my head that was so hooky and so catchy that I knew it had to be in a song, because it was that annoying. It wouldn't stop going around in my head. And the sound was... And then she makes a sound. <laughs> After the chorus, that's what I want to hear, but I don't want it to be my voice. I want it to be an instrument. What instrument was that? So I was like... <laughs> So I was like playing the voice memo to Max and he was like, oh, no, there's not an instrument that can do that. What we can do is we can take your voice singing that and pitch it down so that it sounds like an enchantress slash a dude. So that's what you're hearing in the chorus. And she said, this is when we first kind of knew we might be onto something with the album, which I think is really interesting that for Taylor writing the album, I did something bad was like what felt like they had defined the album with a song and kind of made something that they could structure the rest of the album around or kind of build off of. And I feel like there could have been, they didn't have to just record her voice and pitch it down. They could have done something that sounded like that, you know? <laughs> I would have liked to hear it. I can hear it in my head how it would sound, you know? It probably wouldn't have gone you know, but it would have had the similar sound. Yeah. I wonder if an electric guitar trying to play that would have had a probably not but some sort of synth bass maybe mm -hmm. modulated synth bass <laughs> i never trust a narcissist here we go kai is singing the beginnings of yeah, the song yeah. the bass is so good the... so good i never trust a narcissist but they love me so I play him like a violin, and I make it look oh so easy. Because for every lie I tell them, so she's admitting to lying. So for every lie I tell them, they tell me three. This but is how worse. the world works. <laughs> now all he thinks about is me. It's so bold of her to say narcissist, too, because that was not as nearly as popular of a term as it is now. Mm -hmm. That's just funny. Yeah. I never trust a narcissist. But they love me. So I play him like a she's, violin. So she's like already on to the narcissism game. or whatever. To even say that line, like, for every lie I tell them, they tell me three. Like I said, like, admitting to lying. Love. Because it's like, everybody lies. Every lie I tell them, even if you tell a white lie. But it's that's the comparison. She's trying to say, like, yeah, okay, maybe I told a lie. But it's like... But they're way worse. They tell way more lies. There's a difference between a narcissist lying and manipulating and me just like kind of calling a little white lie. <laughs> I can feel the flames on my skin, crimson red paint on my lips. If you guys hear sounds coming from Kaya's audio, I apologize. Our mom and our brother are in the living room talking and they're having a little Christmas carol. or just hanging out. They're having a little kiki. <laughs> so we're going to let them rock. We're going to let them <laughs> rock around the Christmas tree. I can feel the flames. I can feel the flames on my skin. That's so good. And she hasn't even said anything about they're burning all the way. So you don't even know necessarily what she's talking about there. But it's also just like you don't even need that context because that's just such a visceral image. I can feel the flames on my skin. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, why? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like it could be a lot of different things. It could be just she's just so powerful that she's like on fire, you right. know? <laughs> Crimson red paint on my lips. If a man talks shit, then I owe him nothing. 
I don't regret it one bit because he had it coming. Which is your favorite line in this song? Well, <laughs> as it, naturally. <laughs> I, do, I, that, I don't regret it one bit because he had it coming. That is so speaks to my core. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I that's just very true to me and my how I am as a person. Yeah, <laughs> it is for sure. Because if I think something's justified, I don't regret it. Sorry. <laughs> that's how I operate. <laughs> and then she goes into the chorus. They say I did something bad. And why does it feel so good? They say I did something bad. But why does it feel so... The way so- you read that... <laughs> being shamed what i'm being shamed no I'm being shamed no, in a good way <laughs> you're getting into it they say i did something bad then why does it feel so good they say i did something bad but why does it feel so good boom 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 don't do that that is gonna be so unpleasant for to. them to listen to most most fun i ever had was doing something bad and i'd do it over and over and over again if i could just felt so if i could her voice and she goes so just good there oh my god it's the song is actually so insane i remember when the reputation first came out and i didn't want to listen to this song because i wanted to be able to hear it for the first time for as long as i possibly could mm-hmm. but the song is just incredible i never trust a playboy but they love me so I fly them all around the world, and I let them think they saved me. What a... The fact that she's just addressing, like, what she was doing in this time, this plainly, is kind of crazy. It's so interesting. How she goes from that to, like, I know these men, how they are, and I'm not going to get emotionally invested in them, and I'm just going to fly them around the world and let them think whatever they want. It's like cowboy like me sort of thing. Mm. Like, let mm. them think whatever. Mm. Mm. But at the same time, in this time, she's falling in love, like, completely head over heels. I want to be your endgame. I don't want you to leave me. <laughs> and it is a very, their relationship was very, he kind of saved her in that he took her away from all the turmoil that was going on in the media. And they created this little, perfect little bubble or whatever. It's just so interesting the, how you can have both in your head at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. without maybe even seeing it. They never see it coming, what I do next. This is how the world works. You gotta leave before you get left. And that right there is my favorite line in the whole song. It's very, um, Archer coded. I can feel the flames on my skin. This is a different pre-chorus. He says, don't throw away a good thing. But if he drops my name, then I owe him nothing. Should I throw away everything we made or keep it? Where else did I hear that? Don't throw away a good thing. I think it was in the Friends episode I watched last night. Anyway. Um, and if he spends my change, then he had it coming. Spends my change, then he had it coming. <laughs> For her to reference her money and her wealth in that way it's, has always been very interesting to me. But if he spends my change, then he had it coming. Because it is not important to her. That's crazy. <laughs> now, the bridge is where she fumbled a little bit. Oh, a lot of it. They're burning all the witches, even if you are one. Good. They got their pitchforks and proof. Good. Their receipts mm. and reasons. See, we differ even here, because I don't like any of this, really. It's not impactful to say they're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. You could have done a lot more with the witch concept than that, I think. Mm. 
Because it's not even about, it's not about if you are one or if you aren't. Because <laughs> that's implying that there are witches that should be burned. Yeah, I have you're always thought victim. that, yeah. I don't like that. And But that is very, that's one of her deep flaws that she has. She can just embrace. And she doesn't address things on a societal level. They got their pitchforks and proof. But I think pitchforks and proof, it's kind of a throwaway line just so she can get to say receipts, <laughs> you know. So yeah, this whole, I, I, I've never been a fan of that. I like the burning the witches concept, but she could have made it a lot better. Yeah. And then light me up. I like love, that, love the second half. And then I love what she does yeah. in the tour version when she says, light me. me. <sighs> what is this song about to you if you had to kind of describe it in so many words? Serving. <laughs> the song is about serving. <laughs> um, and about embracing the things that you used to feel bad about yourself embracing kind of it's it's very women empowerment type song even though it's not like the man mm -hmm. you know where it's very literal yeah, she wasn't intentionally it. doing that she was just kind of writing about her experience and it just so happens to mm -hmm. be a very relatable female experience yeah, yeah. and it's, it's very Britney it's like I'm gonna take the power that I've that I have and I'm gonna it's very like peace and enjoy me. it the fact that she wrote it on the piano is interesting to me I'm not relatable I'm not one of you <laughs> like shake it off to this you know mm -hmm. she was like I'm so quirky and relatable and she's like well I'm actually a badass so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's and it's so different from like blank space where she's she's like I'm playing the character that you say that I am but this isn't me and in this song she's saying I did something bad and it was the most fun I ever had actually <laughs> and and this song is where i can understand her explanation of reputation in that time piece where she says like a goth punk about being gaslit by a societal structure like i get that from this song not really the whole album what is the bad thing that she did <laughs> well isn't that the eternal question because it it that's Sort of, she scapegoated herself here because she's like, I don't really have to own up to anything. I can just say I did something bad. Yeah. You get to make she, it whatever, saying, you, like, whatever you think the bad thing I did is. That could, that's what this is. You know? Yeah, because nothing, she didn't do anything bad in the song. She's just kind of giving it back to guys that deserve it. That's the whole song. But she's creating it like I'm this villain that I'm, I'm finally owning up to it. And I love it. <laughs> but it's like, well, it's not really bad, but it's playing a role for pop music, which is Britney did that in a lot of her songs. She didn't actually do bad things. You know, she's not like the villain that she kind of played in some of her really Serby songs. <laughs> Serby <So>. songs? <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Ooh. Track four, Don't Blame Me. My song. This is always my favorite on the album did you see recently that this is like her second most streamed non-single of all time yes after like enchant no no enchanted is lower actually it's all her tiktok viral songs and this is like number two that's after crazy something that's like really high i never in a million years would have thought that don't blame me would be one of her most streamed songs if you told me that two years ago however many years since t before tiktok was like the main contributor to the music industry <laughs> the song was immediately like one of your favorites on reputation 
and mm -hmm. I it just wasn't one that I was drawn to my favorite lyric in Don't Blame Me is I once was poison ivy but now I'm your daisy I just love that imagery you said in 2017 was they say she's gone too far this time don't blame me love made me crazy so she starts with an intro which is actually the chorus it's very common in pop music to start a song with the chorus but taylor very often will start with an intro and then change it for the outro and this is kind of like a mix of both of those things so she says don't blame me love made me crazy if it doesn't you ain't doing it right lord save me my drug is my baby i'll be using for the rest of my life this is very lana del rey mm. it also i think another reason that the song didn't click with me at first is because it does remind me so much of Take Me to Church by Hosier. Just because of dun dun. And also like the, the, the religion. Base. The religion themes of mm -hmm. like a person kind of looking at romance and love or uh, lust and as, and as, yeah, as religion. That's why you didn't like it? That's not why I didn't like it. I think it's just the, I couldn't separate them in my head because that song had just mm -hmm. been out. But she says, I've been breaking hearts a long time and toying with the older guys. Just play things for me to use. Something happened for the first time in the darkest little paradise, shaking, pacing, I just need you. What do you think about that verse? Yeah, it's a very desperate song. Mm. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but like it's about that type of romance mm -hmm. and love and lust. And she doesn't have that many songs like this. It's, it's reminiscent of Treacherous, mm. which is one of my all-time favorite Taylor songs. Mm. I like that. And I like that she says, I've been breaking hearts a long time and toying with them older <laughs> guys. That, like, it's just that wording that she has on reputation. She's just so honest and candid about things. And then she says, in the pre-chorus, for you, I would cross the line. I would waste my time. I would lose my mind. They say she's gone too far this time. Into the chorus. Don't blame me. Love me be crazy. If it doesn't, you ain't doing it right. Lord save me. My drug is my baby. I'll be using for the rest of my life. And then she just repeats. I just love the whole concept. Love made me crazy. Don't blame me. Like, it's just so cheeky and... I don't know. And I love, Very, too, It's the, just a crazy thing to say. <laughs> the, if it doesn't, you ain't doing it right. Mm -hmm. I love that kind of, like almost asking it's almost like when she says in that time article where she's like are you not entertained she's like mm -hmm. you're not owning you're it. not crazy from love could <laughs> it be me owning all the emotional and just owning owning what women are shamed for too do you not feel this way mm -hmm. when you're falling in love for having but i'm condemned emotions. i'm condemned for that <laughs> okay. my name is whatever you decide and i'm just gonna call you mine I'm insane, but I'm your baby. I love that. Mine, I'm insane, but I'm your baby. <laughs> I never really understood what she meant by my name is whatever you decide. It's just kind of like she is kind of been holding on to power in a lot of these songs, mm -hmm. but she's kind of in this song, she's kind of like equalizing mm -hmm. it and they both have a power over each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm just going to call you mine. <laughs> and that to me kind of informs that line too of my name is whatever you decide so like whatever you want to call me but i'm just gonna call you mine i'm insane but i'm your baby <laughs> echoes of your name inside my mind halo hiding my obsession i once was poison ivy but now i'm your daisy 
I mean, she's kind of addressing the whole perfect girl halo hiding my obsession. So it's hiding her deeper feelings that she couldn't really express and some of her madness. And then I love this pre-chorus that's different than the first pre-chorus. In Baby For You, I Would Fall From Grace, which is what we were talking about at the beginning of this episode. Just to touch your face. If you walk away, I beg you on my knees to stay. And I love the delivery of this line. It's so good. This is that's my favorite part of the song right there. Mm-hmm. That pre-chorus. And then And I love the ah would the background mm-hmm. vocals. Just do if you <laughs> And then she repeats the chorus and she says in the bridge, I get so high. Yeah, the delivery of the bridge is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Trip of my life. Oh, every time, every time you're touching me, you're touching me. Yeah. That's so good. It's one of her best romance songs. God, it's just so good. And then I love those. It reminds me of Waiting Game by Banks. Yes. That's one of the reasons I love this song so much is that it reminds me of Waiting Game. Oh, my God. And also, speaking Mm -hmm. of Banks, she's just so intrinsically tied to reputation to me. And I also think Taylor was very it's influenced Banks, by her mm-hmm, for this for album. Sure. And her album, The Altar, or whatever mm-hmm. album's called, 2016. Mm-hmm. I listen to that all the time. So, And yeah. Taylor... And it's like dark synth pop, you know, very of the time. And Taylor put Crowded Places on her playlist that, so cool. was, that came out around like the Reputation era. It was Reputation era playlist. And she says, I've been scared of crowded places. That's like the hook of the song, which is very reputation coded. And um, so Taylor was definitely influenced by Banks. Banks kind of owned 2016 and 2017 to me. Mm -hmm. Track five, Delicate. How do you feel about Delicate being the track five? I feel like I have to ask this for every album breakdown we do. It's probably her most overtly vulnerable song. So I get it. It's just, it's literally just about the vulnerability that it takes to enter a relationship. Mm. So, it, compared to her other track fives, it's very tame. And not, like, sad or anything, which everyone was like, this isn't track five because it's not sad. But that's not really what it has to be, because that would be very limiting to her albums, if that's what she had to do. And I'm looking at the other tracks, and that's the only one that I think would fit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Besides maybe New Year's Day, but New Year's Day had to be the closer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Taylor said, this is a song where the idea of reputation is definitely something that I play on for the entire album, but when the album started off, it's much more bombastic. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what you say about my reputation. I don't care about my reputation. (laughs) But, like, then it hits this point on track five where it's like, what happens when you meet someone who you really want in your life, and then you start worrying about what they've heard before they've met you? You start to wonder, like, could something fake, like your reputation affect something real, like someone getting to know you. You start to wonder how it all matters. This is the first point of vulnerability in the record where you're like, oh, maybe this does actually matter a little bit, and questioning the reality and the perception of a reputation and how much weight it actually has. And then she also said that there's an effect you may hear on the vocals throughout the rest of the album that is recurring, and it's a vocoder. What is that, you might say? It's a vocal effect where you sing and the vocoder splits your voice into chords and you can play your voice on a keyboard. And so that's what you'll hear. 
to the beginning of reputation. She said that they tried it in the studio and thought that it sounded really emotional, really emotional and vulnerable and kind of like sad but beautiful. I think the vocoder definitely defined reputation sonically. Like it, you, it mm -hmm. carries throughout the entire album. And I do like that Delicate being so far up in the album kind of gives you that, like, because earlier in the songs, Taylor's, she doesn't care about her reputation. She's very, like, owning it and kind of whatever. This is who I am. My reputation precedes me. They told him I'm crazy. It's less serious. And then you get to Delicate and you're like, what if this reputation, my reputation that precedes me is the reason that something doesn't work? I can't find something real with somebody. So I like that vulnerability being so far up in the track list. I think it works as a track five. Reputation doesn't have a lot of songs that could be contenders for a track five, but I think that Delicate works. When I first heard Reputation, I remember being so like mesmerized by her voice when she sings Delicate. Like it's just so soft. She really embodied that feeling of something being delicate in the song. Being sensitive mm -hmm. and fragile. She starts a song, This ain't for the best, my reputation's never been worse, so you must like me for me. We can't make any promises, now can we, babe? But you can make me a drink. I think that's a perfect insight into the mindset that she has. Of like, my reputation's never been worse, so you must like me for me. We can't make any promises, we don't know for sure. Like, she, she was old enough and had enough wisdom or hindsight at that time to know that you can't make promises to somebody that early on. You can't say for sure if it's going to work or not. But she's like, but we can just enjoy the moment. We can just enjoy this. We can just be here now and just let whatever is going to happen, happen. Dive bar on the east side. Where are you at? <laughs> Phone lights up my nightstand in the black. It's hard to read this without hearing this. I know. Anthem. Come here. You can meet me in the back. <laughs> Dark jeans and your Nikes. I always like that description. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, damn. Never seen that color blue. <laughs> Just think of the fun things we could do. It's a very simple lyrics. <laughs> I, something I love about it, though, is the imagery. Like, it's always been so descriptive in my brain. Mm -hmm. Ever since the first time I hear the song, like, I see the bedroom. I see the nightstand where her phone is. I see it light up. I see her go over to it, like, and read the text. And it's so visual. And I love that. And then for her to say, Just think of the fun things we could do. This is kind of the first album where we get her saying things like that. Yeah. And then she goes into the pre-chorus, which was the intro. And then the chorus. Is it cool that I said all that? Is it chill that you're in my head? Because I know that it's delicate. It's weird because to me, it's like the pre-chorus becomes the chorus and then the, that is like the post-chorus mm -hmm. almost. Yeah. It's not how it feels to me. Yeah, same. And then this is probably my favorite part of the song. Is and then I love how in the second verse it kind of drops into the beat of the song. Third floor on the west side, me and you. Handsome, your mansion with a view. Do the girls back home touch you like I do? I love that little confidence right there of like, come on. Come on, don't lie to me. I know that they don't. And I, I wanted to say this because I don't really know like what episode this could go in otherwise. But someone said something on Twitter about she really did just want the penthouse of his heart. And I said, 
thinking about that line in comparison with handsome mirror and mansion with a view, but he had relegated her to the basement. But like she had the penthouse at one point. She had the mansion with the view. And then she was relegated to the basement. It's upsetting. <laughs> Echoes of your footsteps on the stairs. Stay here, honey. I don't want to share. That line makes me think of if this was a movie. Last night I heard my own heart beating sounded like footsteps on my stairs. <laughs> I've always connected those two lines. I don't love the bridge of this song. In that video of her writing it, I always want to be like, oh, think of something better. Like, don't just go with this. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one critique of Reputation that I feel like some of the lyrics could be weak. Mm. And I think I think some of... That's the weak points is where she kind of just went with whatever probably came to her mind mm. first. I think she could have come up with something more interesting in a lot of places. Especially Bridges. She had weak Bridges in this album. I understand what she was going for here. Like, sometimes I wonder when you sleep, are you ever dreaming of me? Pretend you're mine all the time. Like, I, I get the sentiment there. I just think she could have written something better. That just seems like a typical, like, crush type song. And the song of Delicate is Just more, deeper than that. It's not really. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess it's like you need that to, to make the rest of it meaningful. The end of the song, I love how she layers these... Um, Cause I'm like you with mm-hmm. yeah me too with the and then you have the like it's the full instrumentation of the song and you've got that bass you've got the drums and it's like yeah it really layers really well yeah. together I think that's it just like I I think of in the video when she's skipping at the end that's like really how I feel I just want to like start dancing at the end of the song sometimes the song can feel a little snoozy for the first half, Mm -hmm. but I love when it picks up here at the end. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, structure is true to the feeling of the song. I just love the end here when it picks up a little bit more. Um, Do we say our favorite lyrics? Because I wrote echoes of your footsteps on the stairs. Stay here, honey, I don't want to share. And you says sometimes when I look into your eyes, I pretend you're mine. Yeah, that's a really good lyric. I think that's probably the best lyric of the bridge. That line, like, Mm -hmm. by itself track six look what you made me do for anyone who doesn't know this look what you made me do actually started as a poem and taylor said it started with just a poem that i wrote about my feelings and it's basically about realizing that you couldn't trust certain people but realizing you appreciate the people you can trust realizing that you can't just let everyone in but the ones you can let in you need to cherish and it had all the verses in it just basically as is and when the beat hits we were like Ooh, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. And we were just like, oh my God, we have to edit out the rest of the words and just do that. So I think the chorus originally had different lyrics. Like there was a whole chorus there and she scrapped it. Jack said the idea there was, let's make something that doesn't sound like what's going on right now. Sonically, it was like, let's just fucking freak it out. I'm sort of blown away by how many critics have missed the camp in it camp thank you mm-hmm. the song just wasn't appreciated in its time but here's the thing is you don't you don't deserve it if you didn't get it then sorry no you didn't you don't and i pulled this quote from laura sisk who i think is still like engineers music with taylor and jack and she said that they recorded live strings and horns for the bridge section and that a mutual friend evan smith played on it and i was like oh who's that i don't know who that is 
And so I went to his page and I looked at some stuff he has done. And he has played on August, Betty, My Tears Ricochet, Maroon, You're On Your Own Kid, All Too Well, 10 Minute Virgin from the Vault, Is It Over Now, Question, Say Don't Go. Like, everything Taylor has done since Reputation, essentially. Hmm. Like, a crazy amount of stuff. The two samples in the song are I'm Operate by Peaches mm-hmm. and the I'm Too Sexy for My Shirt song. She really sampled that? Mm-hmm. That's not a sample. Oh, it's an interpolation. Yeah. Sorry. Just because it her it sounds like she's emulating the same rhythm as that chorus. Mm-hmm. I don't like your little games. Don't like your tilted stage. The role you made me play of the fool, no. I don't like you. I don't like your perfect crime. How you laugh when you lie. You said the gun was mine. Isn't cool. No, I don't like you. It's just... <laughs> she's just saying it like... She's not minting words. She's not minting words. She's saying it very like... Like... With an eye roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't like this. And then she kind of like gets more pissed as she goes. Oh. <laughs> oh, but I got smarter. <laughs> oh my God, this would be so fun to read. It's like a monologue. <laughs> but I got smarter. I got harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. Oh my God. Never was there more a legendary lyric. <laughs> this is what she thinks she did when she wrote, but I come back stronger than a 90s trip. Well, she already did this, so. But she thought that she did it again, but you didn't. I've got a list of names. Honey. That was so funny. Honey, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. I've got a list of names, and yours is in red, underlined. I check it once. Everybody's shaking in their boots. Then I check it twice. <laughs> and they were. They were. People did I not like the song. They, Swift. Exactly. They didn't. They made fun of her. They said that that's Santa Claus. Yes. Oh, they did? Yes. Oh, people made fun of that. They did serious. It, they didn't like it. They also were like, that's so petty. People just didn't get the song. They thought that it was like... Here's the thing. Because the song is dead serious, but it's also very camp. And that's mm-hmm. like... You have to. And so people just didn't get it. No. And if you don't get it, I can't explain it to you. You either get it or you don't. And if you don't, then I'm sorry for you. Oh. And that's, I think, part of why yeah. I love This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. Because I love connection between those two like look what you made me do being such a like almost childish thing to say and like this is why we can't have nice things like that um not nagging like reprimanding someone they're connected in my brain don't blame me look what you made me do this is why we can't have nice things (laughs) look what you just made me do look what you just made me i love that and I love that ad, that do. addition of just made mm-hmm. me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Yeah. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me. Oh. Those, those, oh, are so good. Oh. Okay. And I've heard this tidbit of the Taylor's version one. She made it like, ooh, look what you made me do. It's supposed to be like a, oh, like a, like a, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah, I I don't don't like your kingdom. Keys, keys. They once belonged to me. I love that she's using that fairy tale castle kingdom imagery here. That's very classic Taylor Swift. We now have castles crumbling, so I love the connection there. You asked me for a place to sleep, locked me out, and threw a feast. What is she saying? There? It just sounds so good. I don't. I don't like your kingdom keys. They once belonged to me. Like it sounds like poetry almost. 
the world moves on another day, another drama, drama. But not the for world moves on another day. <laughs> you gotta really get into But that. not for me, not for what? me. All I think about is karma. All I think about is The song karma. makes me want to like get up in a camera and just like surf. Like I just want to surf. Yeah. Once we publish this episode, once this episode goes live, I will post the video I took of myself listening to the song for the first time because I died. The old Callie was gone. She's dead. Taylor Swift killed her with this song. And then the world moves on, but one thing's for sure. Maybe I got mine, but you'll all get yours. That is a threat. She was Mm -hmm. threatening all of your lives. (laughs) She was threatening my life. Mm -hmm. She had a knife to my throat. Maybe I got mine, but you'll all get yours. Has to be the cuntiest lyric she's ever written. Bridge. I don't trust nobody and nobody trusts me. I always thought this line was interesting. I'll be the actress starring in your bad dreams. So she's saying, I'm not just the villain in your bad dreams. I'm the actress starring in your bad dreams. You've cast me as the role and so I will play it happily. (laughs) And then I love how she ends it with, I'll be the actress starring in your bad dreams. I'm sorry. Old Taylor can't come. Yeah, that whole interlude, that whole bridge is produced so well. Mm -hmm. It just totally, it just does what it needs to do. Jack Antonoff, thank thank you. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Where's that come from, Kaya? Where's that from? Hmm. Innocent, maybe? Maybe innocent? Maybe the most misunderstood song on Speak Now? The song is just, there's not much to say. You either get it or you don't. I love that she has now seemed to appreciate the song for what it is. Yeah, the performance on the Eras tour gives it what it finally deserves. Because the repertoire didn't. I hope it is played at every tour she ever does. Yeah. Again, for the rest of her life. Yeah. Because it deserves that kind of recognition. She has yet to top it on the level, on the scale. Alright, track seven. So it goes. And can I just say, I love the ellipses at Ready For It, and then So It Goes. And I love the that narrative, that world building. It's good. And this is a song that we both cherish and love very, very much. And I feel like nobody else really does and never has. So, And this has been a song that you and I have both loved from the beginning. It's, th- it's just great. This is something <laughs> that I learned recently, but the phrase, so it goes, originates from the novel Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. He says the line several times in the novel, whenever a death occurs as a narrative transition to another subject. Okay. <laughs> and so it goes, comes after Look What You Made Me Do, where she says the old Taylor mm-hmm. is dead. That's amazing. I, this, I never knew that. It's How did I never know that? The Taylor. That's, it's just crazy. There's layers. It's an onion. Okay. We gotta peel them back. See you in the dark. All eyes on this you. This is her epic. My magician. All eyes on us. You make everyone disappear and cut me into pieces gold cage there's that mention of gold again hostage to my feelings i love that lyric gold cage hostage to my feelings 
I'm a hostage to my own feelings. <laughs> like, my own feelings are controlling me. They're keeping me captive. This song, to me, is just so, like, kind of freeform. And it's just so unique for her. Because we break down a little. I know this was your favorite lyric at one point. I don't know if it still is. Because we break down a little was your favorite line. Mine was, you make everyone disappear and cut me <laughs> into pieces. That's really good, too. And then here, again, we have that criminal imagery. Hostage to my feelings. Because, baby, I know what you know. We can feel it. And all the pieces fall right into place, getting caught up in a moment, lipstick on your face. I'm yours to keep, and I'm yours to lose. You know I'm not a bad girl, but I do bad things with you. So it goes. <laughs> Iconic. And all the pieces fall right into place makes me think of uh, autumn leaves falling down like pieces into place, and I can picture it after all these mm-hmm. days. Getting caught up in a moment. This song is just so sexual in a way that I really don't think people quite understand. So then we have verse two. She mentions this dive bar that we have still never been freed from. Met you in a bar. All eyes on me. <laughs> You're illusionist. All eyes on us. I make all your gray days clear and wear you like a necklace. I'm so chill, but you make me jealous. I'm. I love that. I'm so chill, but you make me jealous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, no, you're not chill. Her vocal delivery. Two, is it no. chill that I said all that? So we hear that twice. Mm-hmm. Where are you like a necklace? If you know what that means, if you're old enough to know what that means, then you know what that means. Well. What? We don't know for sure. She mentions necklace. I wear your name. I th- a chain around my neck. Is, I, is a double entendre. She means two things when she says that. The song is there. This song is about sex. Like it's 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 like dress in that way. I know way. it is. So but, that's it's. But she's saying I make all your gray days clear. That's not a sexual one you would know. <laughs> and this song is just fun to listen to, and it's not one that gets old. Yeah, you know? and it's and it's like it's, slow, but it's not. It doesn't get boring. Kind of like how delicate does. Mm-hmm. It's just a really good, solid song. It's kind of hard for me to explain this song. I honestly think that that Kurt Vonnegut explanation really says all you need to know about So It Goes. A death has occurred, and you have a narrative transition to another subject. So now she's she's mm-hmm. revealing more about this relationship, and she goes on to do so in the second half of this album. Which leads us to track mm-hmm. eight, Gorgeous. This was the third single from Reputation. I have an emotional attachment to the song the way I usually have an emotional attachment to the second single. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of misplaced onto Gorgeous for some reason. So I will love and defend the song for the rest of my life. It's not like in my top favorite mm-hmm. on Reputation, but I just love it. There's something like cozy about the production to me. Mm-hmm. It just takes me back to late fall 2017. Yes, and I love her vocals in the song i love the way she delivers this so she says you should take it as a compliment that mm-hmm. i got drunk and made fun of the way you talk you should hit fun of the way you talk <laughs> i love when she does that you should think about the consequence of your magnetic field being a little too strong and i got a boyfriend he's older than us also and i gotta r.i.p to the original lyrics where she says i go through phases when it comes to love i'm nothing that you want love that line i wish she had kept it in the song i mourn that every single day of my life mm. you're so cool it makes me hate you so much it's just so like flirty it's very flirty and it's a very like mm-hmm. i had one too many drinks because i don't know how to talk to this cute guy 
which yeah. I just love the, I love how she writes. She writes that feeling so mm-hmm. candidly. I remember someone, mm-hmm. some person, I don't remember if somebody tweeted it or if it was like an article, somebody criticized this song in saying that like, there's more to somebody than their looks. Oh, jeez. Okay. It's ridiculous. Also, I always heard the criticism, Sunset and Vine. People always shit it on the video. <laughs> okay, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> I know. I just did it on them. <laughs> because um, Sunset and Vine is like a Walgreens now or something. <laughs> and it's like a cliche that people always use when they're trying to like talk about California or something. Mm. But that was so annoying. I just remember that when it came out. Mm. But yeah, honestly, this song is so relatable. The lyrics are It's so very funny. like like they don't cut glass. No, but, but it's <laughs> I saw someone say like when Reputation came out that this is like enchanted when you're older. And it's enchanted but more realistic. Yeah, it's like the like it's not about the magic, it's just about the humanity of mm. how silly we are when we have crushes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should take it as a compliment that I'm talking to everyone here but you. And also, like, the fact that she's saying... I love that lyric. if you look at Enchanted, if you look at the lyrics of it, she says, as I was leaving too soon. She has this kind of, like, I'm so stuck in my feelings. I'm so, like, wonderstruck by this person that I, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to act. Uh, the Taylor Swift mm-hmm. energy that she has kind of fades when she's, like, really infatuated by somebody. And so in this song, she's saying, you should take it as a compliment that I got drunk and made fun of the way you talk. That I'm talking to everyone here but you. I can totally imagine her doing that, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a British accent, so she just got drunk and started, like, mimicking his voice. Like we did with Ed Sheeran earlier in the episode. Um, yeah, but not for the same reasons. <laughs> yeah. You should take it as a compliment. I'm talking to everyone here but you. I love that so much. Because when you have a crush, you just can't. You're just like... I. You're you so gorgeous, can't I can't it. even look at your face. Because look at your face. No. And you should think about and the consequence you think about of you touching my hand in a darkened room. Another great imagery. And I love how she says, in a darkened room, and then she goes, dark room, dark room. Dark room. Yeah. If you got a girlfriend, I'm jealous of her. But if you're single, it's honestly worse. Because you're so gorgeous. That's so funny. Because why is it worse? Because, well, it's not just because they're gorgeous, but it's because if you're single, that means there is a chance. And that sucks. (laughs) And that means it's going to work or I could get rejected. I have to, like, do something about it. Yeah. Or I, it's my fault that I don't go Mm -hmm. for it, you know? Yeah. Because if you weren't single, then I don't have an out. Like an easy out for this. Yeah. I can just blame that. I can just put everything mm-hmm. on that. Or you can do what I did in college and not let that stop you. Ocean blue eyes. Looking. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. Ocean blue eyes looking in mine. What'd you say? I said I'm not proud of it. Oh, I thought you said I'm proud of it. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, this is not a good time for me. Ocean blue eyes looking in mine. I feel like I might sink and drown and die i love this because i could just see taylor like having a drink and she's like i feel like i'm gonna sink and drown and die like she's just so over dramatic and like she's like (laughs) and then love the bridge you make me so happy it turns back to sad there's nothing i hate more than what i can't have you're so gorgeous it makes me so mad Mm. this is peak glitter gel pen lyrics Mm. 
Yeah. You make me so happy. It turns out you sad. <laughs> like, what are you talking about right I now? I don't. This is where she loses me, though. I always thought there's nothing I hate more than what I can't have was should have been. There's nothing I want more than what I can't have. Because it's like, what? Mm. <laughs> I always thought that that's what it, the lyric should have been for some reason. There's nothing I hate more than what I can't have. <laughs> that's funny. It's crazy. Um, this is where she loses me when she says, guess I'll just stumble on home to my cats. But why can she lose you in that? <laughs> because that's so her. Along? Look Unless along. you want to come along. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. I didn't. It's grown on me over the years. <laughs> it has, but I just... You always hated that I lyric. I did. I don't, I'm sorry. Guess I'll just stumble on home to my cats. Ugh. Alone. Unless you want to come along. I love the ugh. <laughs> yeah, so that that brings me back in. Um, just the... Unless you want to come along. <laughs> Alone. And then I love, I love when she goes, Unless so you want to go... And I love the whatever it is in the song that makes it like sound. I love the bridge, the keys, the and the I really just love the production of the bridge. Yeah, the production of the bridges are good in these this album. It's the lyrics that always are kind of weak for some reason. Yeah. Okay, track nine. Getaway car. This is so quintessential reputation. Yes. I pulled a quote from Laura Sisk, our sound engineer, and she said, I called Jack while I was editing the track and was like, this is about a rebound relationship, right? Every single line is so smart and interesting. There's such a natural key change and the distorted horns sound like synths. Um, which, thank <laughs> you so much, Laura, for the information. I actually didn't ever really think about that until this moment. I, for some reason unbeknownst to myself did not really care for this song for like a few years but i appreciated it but i just couldn't get into it like i i, I never wanted to go to just the song and i would often skip it when i was listening to the album i feel like it's a song that you kind of get immediately like it's a very enjoyable experience but once you know exactly, like, what it is, you don't always want to go back to it. Yeah. At least us. At least we don't. Because I do love this song, and I think it's a, one of the stronger songs on the album, probably. But it's just I got it instantly. And it's also, like, it's become a formula, sort of, for her. Like, the cool summer formula, the August formula. You know what I'm talking about. And fans immediately love it. And I just think they have it up a little too much. Mm -hmm. A little too much. Because there's other songs that are meatier and you can dig into more. Once I heard uh, Lover and I heard Cruel Summer, it almost retroactively stopped me. Like, I was like, this is just, it sounds so similar. Like, I couldn't even, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Which. That's not. What? That's not the lyric. What is the lyric? Best of times, the worst of crimes. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Got me there. 
It was the best of times, the worst of crimes. So she's playing on Charles mm-hmm. Dickens. Best of times, the worst of times. It was the best of times, the worst, worst of times by Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens? Mm-hmm. It was from A Tale of Two Cities. He wrote Christmas Carol. That's funny. Taylor uses this quote, but substitutes times for crimes, alluding to the conflict in her romantic life at the time. She's having a good time, but at the same time feels guilt because her happiness comes at the expense of someone else's. I love that line. I struck a match and blew your mind, but I didn't meet it. and You didn't see it. I love this part of the verse. The ties were black, the lies were white. In shades of gray and candlelight, I wanted to leave him. I needed a reason. Mm-hmm. I think that is so hilarious to be like, I don't really have like a good reason to leave this guy, but I don't really want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Can you just give me a reason? Wait, what were our favorite lyrics from Gorgeous? Uh, my favorite lyric was, you should take it as a compliment that I'm talking to everyone here but you. Your favorite lyric <laughs> was, you should think about the consequence of you touching my hand in a darkened room. <laughs> That's funny. In Getaway Car, my favorite lyric is, but with three of us, honey, it's a sideshow and a circus and a love story. And yours is, the ties were black, the lies were white. I love the pre-chorus, X marks the spot where we fell apart. You poisoned the well, I was lying to myself. I knew it from the first old-fashioned we were cursed. We never had a shotgun shot in the dark. That's very Jack Antonoff, that production. We never had a shotgun shot in the dark. Poison the well means to, like, basically harm someone's, someone's reputation. Someone's water hole. <laughs> um, to poison the well means to kind of, like, ruin someone's reputation. Like You poison the well against them. So she says, he poisoned the well, I was lying to myself, which to me distinctly ties back to the rant that Calvin Harris went on after him he and Taylor poisoned his own after well. him and Taylor broke up. He poisoned the well. So he kind of like was bashing her about like, if you're so happy with your new boyfriend, meaning Tom Hiddleston, why are you still taking shots at me? And she's like, I'm not taking shots at you. I just said I wrote this song. But um so she's saying he poisoned the well, I was lying to myself. I knew it from the first old-fashioned we were cursed. We never had a shotgun shot in the dark. Or maybe, or maybe, in this context, it kind of makes more sense for it to be like Tom Hiddleston poisoned the well in like a, we had this nice little media-loved relationship and I was doing good, and then he came along and I kind of ruined everything that we had going. Mm. And I was lying to myself, like, he, it made me realize that maybe I was lying to myself. Mm. Mm, that's interesting. You were driving the getaway car. I also just think a getaway car is a great metaphor for a rebound. That's so good. Mm-hmm. We were flying, but we'd never get far. Don't pretend it's such a mystery. Think about the place where you first met me in a getaway car. And I love how she kind of answers that question. Or not question, but that thing she's posing to this person. Think about the place where you first met me riding in a getaway car. There were sirens in the beat of your heart. Should have not, I'd be the first to leave. You gotta leave before you get left. Think about the place where you first met me. And then I yeah. love the post Think about where you were. If you're, if you're confused on how this is all ending, let me give you a clue. <laughs> and then <laughs> I wasn't thinking, I was just I love this. While he was running after us, I was screaming, go, go, go. But with three of us, honey, it's a sideshow and a circus and a love story. And now we're both sorry both sorry so who do you think she's saying is both sorry in this song both of them <laughs> i think she's saying her and tom he's sorry he 
got involved and she's sorry that she broke his heart a little bit. <laughs> well, he was running after us. I was screaming, go, go, go. That's so good. And then let's just go to the bridge. We were jet set Bonnie and Clyde until I switched to the other side. It's no surprise I... Wait, you switched every man for himself. He poisoned the well every man for himself. Mm, mm-hmm. That's the switch. It's not that big a deal, but... No, yeah. And then it's also... And then I hit like you. Like a shotgun, shotgun shot, shot to the heart instead of shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah. when she it's does that. a nice little way to switch it up. Yeah, because you're just slightly furthering the story. You're just a little bit giving more information. <laughs> and then we were jet set Bonnie and Clyde until I switched to the other side. And then I love this in the behind the making of the song when she's like, it's like a Dylan-y kind of thing. And she's like, to the other side. Love that. <laughs> It's no surprise I turned you in, because us traitors never win. I don't really like the sound of the bridge, because it changes. Gonna get away. We it actually changes key in the bridge. Mm-hmm. We were just so it's kind of I don't know. I'm not a fan of that, but I like the oh. This is actually yeah. one of the few songs. It keeps it going. That I like the key change. You always hated the. This isn't the key change I'm talking about. Wait, is it? No, is that it? I always thought there was a... Isn't there a key change in the chorus, too? Because I think this is a key change that's very subtle. That's why I like it. (laughs) It's a very subtle key change. I love... I love the outro of the song when she says, I was riding in a getaway car I was crawling in a car Mm -hmm. dying in a getaway Those different melodies, it's just... It feels so natural. Like, I, I can't imagine this song without like that. satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye again. Get away. And then I love how you hear that, that bass that comes in. Cool. So good. Mm-hmm. The song just feels, like, very complete. It feels like it's a full circle. Okay, track 10. We're on track 10. My favorite song on Reputation. King of my heart. <laughs> I'm a track 10 girl. I love me a track 10. Um, So about this song, Taylor said, I think it's really interesting when people talk about their love stories. When you guys vlog about like, this is me and my husband, this is me and my partner, or anybody talking about how they fell in love, there seem to be these definitive phases. It doesn't matter how long that phase lasts, but there seems to be a moment when you know it transitioned to the next phase. People will be like, oh my god, we were friends for six years, and then there was this moment, and we knew, and then it changed. Or... Then it was a moment and it got even deeper and there was a moment and we knew. Um, everybody has a different story with how they connect with someone else. And what I find interesting are the moments where it switches. Because you always hope that that switch is going to move you forward and not backward. Because it can happen either way. So I've always wanted to structure a song where each individual section of the song sounded like a move forward in the relationship. But still being listenable. So I wanted the verse to sound like its own phase of our relationship. The pre-chorus like its own and the chorus to sound like its own face. And I wanted them all to have their own identity, but seemed like they were getting deeper and more fast-paced as the song went on. So finally, I was able to achieve that in a song. I just love the song. I have to play it for a second because I need to hear it if I'm going to talk about it. This is an album where we have very different opinions on our favorites, or we always used to. We did. Hmm. So I... This one is one of my lesser... Yeah, you've never really liked favorites. King of My Heart. I like it, but it's definitely in the bottom half for me. That's crazy. What really solidifies this song... And you didn't like Don't Blame Me. Yeah. Which is interesting. 
What really solidifies the song for me as a favorite is the bridge. Is this the end of all the endings? My broken yeah. bones are mending with all these nights we're spending. The bridge is good. I just don't like the verses, honestly. And I think she kind of abuses the ooh, like the, her little uh, that she does in like every single song ever. Her little slide melodies. So she says, I'm perfectly fine. I live on my own. I made up my mind. I'm better off being alone. We met a few weeks ago. Now you try on calling me baby, like trying on clothes. Salute to me. I'm your American queen. And you move to me like I'm a Motown beat. And we rule the kingdom inside my room. Because all the boys in their expensive cars with the Range Rovers and the Jaguars never took me quite where you do. And then you have the chorus. And all at once you are the one I have been waiting for. King of my heart. Fair part. Body and soul. Whoa. And all at once you're all I want. I'll never let you go. King of my heart, body, and soul. Whoa. And then we get a post-chorus. This is my favorite part of the song, the post-chorus. I love those drums. I am a drums kind of girl. If you want me to like a song, put some fucked up drums in there. And I'll be I'll be all about that shit. I love that. And all at once, I've been waiting. Whoa. Like, she's just pulling little bits and pieces from the chorus. And there's not many lyrics in the chorus. But she's kind of just like, it just lets you bask in that feeling. And she really did capture that feeling that she's talking about. It's like you feel the progression. And it's like the um, vocal chop or whatever it mm. is that Olivia Rodrigo said she did not want for Deja Vu. So she did that. That. Mm-hmm. She's going to do vocal chops. I don't remember what it's called, but you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Like the very trendy thing in the late 10s that was like, take a chorus and then chop it all up and like make it yeah. something else. But it's like that part, the first like thing that comes to my brain away. is that. Like whatever the fuck. Yeah. 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 It's very, it was very common. Um, but this one feels more deliberate in that you can hear the lyrics she's saying. It's not just some, oh, we need something here. So just put that in there. Late in the night, the city's asleep. Your love is a secret I'm hoping, dreaming, dying to keep. Change my priorities. The taste of your lips is my idea of luxury. I love this theme in the song of her kind of feeling like she gets a priority switch a little bit of like, I think I've been valuing the wrong things. I think I've been valuing maybe status over genuine happiness. And I think that that's an important lesson to learn. And I just love the, the like, humility that comes across from her in that. And, like, just, I don't know. I just like it. Your love is a secret I'm hoping, dreaming, dying to keep. Change my priorities. The taste of your lips is my idea of luxury. It makes me think of a lyric in a song by Fletcher where she says, The city's too big for the small things I need. Like, those basic needs that if you're not getting those met, it doesn't matter where you're living, how big the city is, what you're doing with your life. Like, if you're not happy at the core level, it, the rest of it doesn't matter. So pre-chorus and chorus are the same. And then she goes into the bridge. Is this the end of all the endings? My broken bones are mending with all these nights we're spending. That's just, like, one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Is this the end of all the endings? My broken bones are mending. And then I love that that rhyme scheme she's using and the way that she delivers these lines up on the roof with schoolgirl and that like 
expands out mm-hmm. drinking beer out of plastic cups so you fancy me not fancy stuff and then i love that and then the breakdown right here and all at once bill coder you are the one i have been waiting for king of my heart body and soul body and soul Whoa. this song is just i kind of categorize the song with i wish you would in the way that like just the sound, every single sound is just perfect and exactly what my brain wants to hear. And I just love it so much. And it just makes me want to like get up and like do this. Yeah, it just, it just gets me. The song just gets me. King of my heart. This is also like a, she started using all that British terminology. Yeah. And I do think that my favorite songs on rep are really not the love songs so there's that because it is a very heavy like it's hard to listen to this album and not think about their specific relationship you know because of all these references and it's very it's very narrative to her life so that is one downside about it i feel like i'm just thinking about this right now but the king of my heart being a card in like a deck of cards and when she says on something on lover in Cornelia Street, when she says back when we were card sharks playing games, I thought you were leading me on. That's, I don't know. I, this is not a fully formed thought, but it's just something I'm, mm-hmm. I've thought right now. So maybe you guys can chew on that and see if anything comes up. Track 11, Dancing with Our Hands Tied. Now this one fits in the category of So It Goes. This one is higher to me. I think you like so it goes more. Mm-hmm. I think, but these are the two that like we both really really love that aren't like in our top two, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they're still up this there. one's like my fourth favorite. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a quote here from a fan at a secret session, and they said that Taylor set it up by saying that inspiration for the song came when she was back in LA after spending several months out of the public eye. As we now know, she spent basically all of this time in the UK with Joe without anyone knowing she was in a relationship. Back in LA, she went to the gym only to be caught by paparazzi on her way out. The paparazzi shouted all kinds of things at her, including comments about her weight. And remember, this was the first time that she had properly been seen in months, and nobody knew she was in a relationship. She described being really overwhelmed by the experience but that her thought process was less about herself and more about how she could possibly have a normal relationship when this was her life. Taylor actually said that after the incident, she went straight to the recording studio, cried, and wrote this song. I had a bad feeling. I love that line. I had a bad feeling. Wait, what was our favorites from King of My Heart? Mm, Thank you for remembering and keeping me honest (laughs) about this. My favorite line was, King of My Heart, Body and Soul. And yours was, you moved to me like I'm a Motown beat. And then our favorite lyrics in Dancing With Our Hands Tied, mine was, so maybe can we dance, oh, through an avalanche. And yours was, we were dancing and I had a bad feeling, but we were dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved you in secret. First sight, yeah, we love without reason. So she's saying love at first sight. Oh, that song is so good. Oh, 25 years old. That's how old I am now. I had a birthday a couple days ago, everybody. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, how are you to know? Thank you. <laughs> and my love had been frozen. Deep blue, but you painted me golden. Oh, and you held me close. Oh, and you held me close. It's one of my favorite melodies. Oh, how was I to know? Because she gets her low register 
And that's something she, especially at and this time, hadn't done much. Yeah. Yeah. The really fast drums and the do do do. And then I love how the verse is slow. And then she goes, then she meet matches the rhythm of the drums. Mm-hmm. I really immediately picks it up. Picture of your face in an invisible locket. You said there was nothing in the world that could stop it. I had a bad feeling. And darling, you had turned my bed into a sacred oasis. I love all of the lyricism on Reputation about like their bedroom being like a sacred place, like a holy place for just the two of them. Like I don't know. There's just something beautiful about that. People started talking, putting us through our paces. I knew there was no one in the world who could take it. I had a bad feeling. So what is she saying here? I didn't used to understand what she meant by I could have spent forever with your hands in my pockets. Kaya, explain that to me. Um, and so I now know that she's talking about like in her back pockets, like of her jeans or something. But before I was like, hands in his pocket? What? Why is his hand in your pocket? I don't understand. <laughs> Um, uh, that's funny. Is that Joe's hand in your pocket? Are you happy to see me? <laughs> no. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, Kaya. Oh, that's good. That's hilarious. Yeah, think of To All Boys I Love Before. Yes, exactly. So she's basically here in the pre-course, she's just saying, she's like, I want it, I want to capture this and kind of have this feeling forever. And She's describing the good of the relationship. Or it could be. Like if she's wearing a big jacket or something in the winter and he has his arms wrapped around her. Like that too. Mm. But either way. It is physically possible. (laughs) And she's saying... So she's looking at the good of the relationship. And she's saying, I could do this forever. But I have a bad feeling that it's not going to work. And I love the people start talking, putting us through our paces. That's such a good... uh, the P sound, people putting paces <laughs> in alliteration, and um, I know there was, I knew there was no one in the world who could take it. That's such a good line. She's like, I know no one can handle this. No one in the world. It doesn't matter how strong we are. No one in the world can handle this. But we were dancing. It's I love I love when she does died. a really simple chorus. I love when she gives you all the information. It's like the first example I think of when I think about her songs like that is State of Grace, and I love. I love when she gives you everything you need outside of the chorus and then lets the chorus be something that's like really stretched out, like State of Grace or kind of repeated, like dancing with her hands tied. We were dancing. What does she mean, dancing? So when your hands are tied, it's kind of like there's nothing you could do. So she's saying like the reason their hands are tied is because she can't change the fact that she's Taylor Swift. Can't change her level of fame. You can't take that away once you have that. And I love too, like if you... I would love to look at all the times that she's talked about dancing in music. Like, I'm not much for dancing, but for you, I did. Yeah, tonight I'm going to dance like you're in this room, but I don't want to dance if I'm not dancing with you. <laughs> I loved you in spite of deep fears that the world would divide us. So maybe can we dance, oh, through an avalanche, and say that we got it. I'm a mess, but I'm the mess that you wanted. And then I love this line, because this ties to treacherous to me. Oh, because it's gravity keeping you with me. Anything to say? Any thoughts here? I love the rhythm of I loved you in spite of deep fears that the world will divide us. I always love that. I almost, I just wonder, like, can we dance through an avalanche? Is that, isn't the avalanche for her just, like, the inevitable 
ending of the relationship because of her fame? I always interpret it as the mess, the canceling, the mess that she had been going through that caused her all this turmoil. Can we, like, dance through this? <laughs> and then on top of it, there's something else coming. Is the, you know, when she does step back into the public. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I love the bridge of the song. I'd kiss you as the lights mm-hmm. went out. This is one of the best bridges. Hands down. Swaying as the room burned down. I'd hold you as the water rushes in. She just repeats. Yeah, she just repeats that. This makes me think of Titanic every time I listen to this. Mm-hmm. It's just so deeply sad and romantic at the same time. And also the imagery is just very Titanic. So it just like evokes that feeling Mm. for me. And I love that she ends this song. She kind of ends on It's very wistful. The song is. All right. Track 12. Dress. Another my song. (laughs) Um, on this song, Taylor said that this song was one of those things that where almost every line is something that I came up with like a year before. And then when I was writing the song, I just like cherry picked and I was like, like that, like that, like that. And I was really proud of the hook of this because it sounded like a pickup line. And yet it is a love song about deep and tender feelings. Our secret moment in a crowded room. They got no idea about me and you. There's an indentation in the shape of you made your mark on me a golden tattoo. Another golden, golden reference, and I also love our secret moments in a crowded room. That's just a great visual because mm-hmm. that's kind of like that's that's what you want, right? Like you want to you want someone in your life where even when you're with other people, it's like still you and that person. That's just I don't know. It's the Francis Ha phenomenon. You ever seen? Have you seen Francis Ha? Mm-mm. Well, she's talking about her best friend, and she's like, we just. We like well. It's actually she's talking about what she wants out of love, mm-hmm. and um, it's like I want to just be in a, at a party where I'm talking to people, but we just look at each other and we're just like, we have that kind of connection that goes through time and space. And but then at the end, she realizes she has it with her mm-hmm. best friend. That yeah, That's awesome. I love that. Um, but I just this song is okay. This is like a top three for me. Always has been. I don't know why. I've always been really drawn to this song. And I love the production. I think that's a big part of it is the bass is so good. The do, 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 you know, and then the, it's almost king of my heart, but like soft, way softer, you know, mm-hmm. the little drums. Mm-hmm. It's like 808's version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And it reminds me kind of the, the chorus, the, it's kind of like 80s sense sort of. The song is, it's very 80s feeling in a way that's not like, feels like it's trying to be 80s it just kind of feels mm-hmm. modern but 80s influenced in like subtle ways yeah and i love the pre-chorus all of this oh, silence yes. and patience, patience pining and anticipation the alliteration there is so good mm-hmm. my hands are shaking so good. I'm holding back from you <laughs> all of the silence and patience pining and desperately waiting my hands are shaking from all the so pretty say my name and everything just stops i don't want you like a best friend only and that line to me speaks to the fact that they were maybe like friends with benefits or like just friends but she had feelings for some Mm -hmm. period of the beginning only bought this dress so you could take it off carve your name into my bedpost because i don't want you like a best friend only bought this dress so you could take it off take it off that's such a good pickup line Mm -hmm. (laughs) Inescapable, I'm not even going to try. 
and if I get burned, at least we were electrified. I'm spilling wine in the bathtub. You kiss my face and we're both drunk. Everyone thinks that they know us, but they know nothing about us. She leads you into this pre-course in a way that makes the pre-course feel new because she's giving you like added context here. Like she's telling you what they're actually doing when they're together. Like spilling water in the bathtub, you kiss my face and we're both drunk. Everyone thinks they know us, but they know nothing about all of the silence and patience pining. <laughs> they know nothing about the way she delivers that is so good. If she doesn't sound exactly like that in dress, Taylor's version, jail. Won't mean a thing to me. She, can, I will be her jailer. Won't mean a thing to me. <laughs> I just heard that. <laughs> um, okay, and then the bridge. bridge. Another good bridge. I would say this is one of the best bridges on Reputation, probably. Flashback when you met me, your buzz cut and my hair bleached, even in my worst times. You could see the best in me. Flashback to my mistakes, my rebounds, my earthquakes. And she's almost kind of like summarizing reputation here in this bridge. You saw the truth in me. She is. This is a very important bridge. And I woke up just in time. And this isn't even specific to the romance either. Like, and I woke up just in time. That's just an overall blanket statement about her state of being and her relationship to her fame and to her own celebrity in life. And I woke up just in time. Now I wake up by your side. That's the romantic reference there. My one and only, my lifeline. I woke up just in time. Now I wake up by your side. That's very intense. My one and only, my lifeline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's... um. Oh, when I click on that line in Genius, it says this line is similar to my only one, my smoking gun. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. well, that is interesting, yep. folks. Okay, mm -hmm. well, I'll be thinking about that for the next uh, <laughs> month. Mm -hmm. 20 years. <laughs> the difference. I was, I was going to say that, and then I was like, I was going to say I'm dramatic. <laughs> um leave the dramatics to me the song is just she captured like a, a sensuality here that she hadn't quite nailed before and it's just <laughs> you get it yeah, that's good um and it's just everything is perfect the production of it perfectly matches the feeling the the lyrics the vocal delivery it's just this is truly one of the best songs on reputation it's just so beautiful. It is one of my favorites. So. <laughs> it is my baby. All right. Next. Speaking of. <laughs> Track 13. This is why we can't have nice things. So what Taylor said about the song is it's about when people take nice things for granted. Like friendship or trusting people or being open or whatever. Letting people in your life, trusting people, respect. Those are all really nice things. And so this is a song called This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. <laughs> This song, if you didn't pick up on it earlier in the episode, when Kai and I said it reminds us of Greatest Time of Year by Ali and AJ, um, the melody in I need the you verses, guys to listen to that song so you understand. <laughs> like, seriously, go listen to it so you know what we're talking about. To me, that's a good thing. It only happens once this time. <laughs> Shut up. You're getting the words wrong, loser. Hey, we both listened to that CD. <laughs> okay. Let's just, the beginning, the sounds of the song are so weird, and I just love. Woo! <laughs> it's crazy. It's just so busy. It's 
got a lot going on. It is on. very busy. <laughs> it and it there, it almost sounds like sirens mm-hmm. or something. It's like you've been broken into or something. And I love yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I love the that thing. So she says, it was so nice throwing big parties, jump into the pool from the balcony. I like the imagery a lot because I love Gatsby and it's very Gatsby. Yes. And I love that she literally says feeling so Gatsby for that Mm -hmm. whole year. And I love bass beat rattling the chandelier. It's just the, I just love the verse melody. I love how weird the production is for the song. So why do you have to rain on my parade? I'm shaking my head (laughs) and locking the gates. I mean, it's very simple. The chorus is very simple. It just says that. The song is just, to me, it just fits so well. It's childish with, on purpose. And in a way that's so fun to me. Like, this to me is what everybody said Innocent was. Like, how they're like, she's like petulant and she's pretending to forgive this person. She's not really. She's actually just like, whatever. She was being That's so what this song actually innocent. is. Yeah, that's what this song actually is. And it's. It's because it's intentional and I appreciate it because it's fun. I love how unabashedly she goes in on whoever she's singing about, like multiple people, whatever. I don't really care. She's, it's, we know uh who it is. We know who it's about. But it's like, even if it's not one person directly, I just love how she's being very direct. Did you think I wouldn't hear all the things you said about me? It was so nice being friends again. There I was, giving you a second chance, but you stabbed me in the back while shaking my hand. And therein lies the issue. Friends don't try to trick you, get you on the phone, and mind twist you. Very so axe. So I took an axe to a mended fence. Where She buried hatchets, but she keeps maps of where she put them. Why? So she can take that axe to the mended fence. <laughs> like, it's just such good wordplay. It's just good. It's just good. And the fact that she literally says, get you on the phone in my twist, you was crazy. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, but I'm not the only friend you've lost lately. Mm-mm. If only you weren't so shady. I just love it. It's, it's campy to me the way that look what you made me do is, but just in a different way. I don't know. I just love it. What can I say? What can I say? What can you say? <laughs> Here's a toast to my real friends. Which, I love that. Love that lyric. I don't know why. I just do. They don't care about the he said, she said. And here's to my... And I love how she exaggerates this. Baby, they ain't reading what they call me lately. And here's to my mama. Had to listen to all this drama. <laughs> and here's to you. Because forgiveness is a nice thing to do. <laughs> but this is why we can't have nice things. I can't even say it with like, do you s- Do you see where I'm going here? The song is just good. It's just good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to be the bear of bad news, but the song is good. And if you don't like it, then you're wrong. Well. <laughs> all right. That's all I'm going to even say. I think it was for a closer on the tour. Mm-mm. Agreed. Like, it, it encapsulates a lot of themes of this album, but sonically is where I have my issues. <laughs> and some mm. lyrics... Track 14. Yeah. Track 14. Call it what you want. Our favorite lyrics on this is why we can't have nice things. Mine was, bass beat rattling the chandelier. Yours was, I'm shaking my head. 
and locking the yeah, gates. Yeah, I love that one. Okay, call it what you want. This song was one of the promo singles for the album. I think it was the last one. And I remember, I remember listening to it on the bus before Actively school. not yeah. listening to this song mm-hmm. before the album came out. And I remember being so grateful that I did that. It's a little gift to myself because then I was able to hear the song in context with the album, which I just enjoyed. Something I try to do when she has multiple singles leading up to an album, it's not anything I really have to do anymore. Again, we have the castle imagery, which showed up in Look What You Made Me Do. My castle crumbled, which is now that we have castles crumbling, it's kind of crazy that she said that here. Mm -hmm. My castle crumbled overnight. I brought a knife to a gunfight. They took the crown, but it's all right. All the liars are calling me one. For every lie I tell them, they tell me three. Nobody's heard from me for months. I'm doing better than I ever was. Oh, before we get into this, let me just read this quote that I pulled of Taylor talking about this song. The way that I feel like the album is, as far as a storyline, is I feel like it starts with just getting out of any kind of rebellion or angst, and then falling in love and realizing that you kind of settle into what your priorities are and your life changes, but you welcome it because it's something that matters to you. This last part of the album feels like settling into where I am now. So it kind of started with where I was when I started making the album and ends with my emotional state now. And this song, I think, really reflects that. Probably the best on the album. And it's called Call It What You Want. Love the song so much. So my castle crumbled overnight. So she's kind of chronicling what has happened that has led her to this place. I brought a knife to a gunfight. They took the crown, but it's all right. Which is such a crazy thing for Taylor Swift to write because we know that it's never going to be all right if she doesn't have that crown. All the liars are calling me one. Nobody's heard from me for months. That's really what it was. Months, not a year. Mm -hmm. I'm doing better than I ever was. I remember hearing that line for the first time and that just kind of like, that was just crazy to me. Like that brought me so much, (laughs) that brought me so much happiness to hear. My babies fit like a daydream, walking with his head down. I'm the one he's walking to. So call it what you want. Yeah, call it what you want to. My babies fly like a jet stream, high above the whole scene, loves me like I'm brand new. So call it what you want. Yeah, call it what you want to. What do we say are our favorites? My favorite lyric was, loves me like I'm brand new. Yours was, I'm the one he's walking to. And then we have one that says both. <laughs> Took the crown, but it's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All my flowers grew back as thorns. So what she's saying there is she's just more guarded than she was before. Mm-hmm. Windows boarded up after the storm. He built a fire just to keep me warm. All the drama queens taking swings. All the jokers dressing up as kings. They fade to nothing when I look at him. This song is just so beautiful and it's so poetic. And I know I make the same mistakes every time. Bridges burn. I never learn. At least I did one thing right. I'm laughing with my lover, making forwards undercovers, trusting like a brother, yeah, you know I did one thing right. Starry eyes sparking at my darkest night. It just feels very comforting. Yeah, it feels very safe. And I love the, whatever it is that makes that, mm-hmm. that sound, so beautiful. And then the, Yes, which sounds similar to Getaway Car. It's like these sounds just kind of mold and shift for the song that they're on. The song is really just like that call of what you want to. I love how that ties into her reputation of like, now I really don't care 
I don't care what you say about me because I know what my reality is. Like, I know what my life is actually like. I know what I value and I know what I have that I appreciate and what matters. And those things can't really be affected by you. And I love this reference, this like tie to love story here where she says, you don't need to save me, but would you run away with me? It's so interesting, that, like, though, that she felt the need to address that you don't need to save me because it's like, why are you? Why, is, why are you thinking of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love, color what you want, color what you want, color you I love that melody. I love the line, I know I make the same mistakes every time. Bridges burn, I never learn. At least I did one thing right. Because I feel like at this time, that's probably how she felt. Obviously, it, it escalated in scale as her popularity and her fame escalated in scale. But... It did kind of feel like, probably for her, like, I keep making these same mistakes. Like, why why do I keep getting in this castle's crumbling type of feeling? Why do I keep having that? And I think, and a really important lesson that she learned while making reputation and in this time of her life was that you nobody can take that crown from her, you know? Like, that's just hers. Track 15, New Year's Day. So Taylor said, we threw a big New Year's party in London this year, and I was thinking about how everybody talks about who you'll kiss at midnight, and it's this big romantic idea of who you're going to be with at midnight to ring in the New Year. And I think it's very romantic, but I think there's something even more romantic about who's going to deal with you on New Year's Day, who's willing to give you Advil and help you clean up the house. I think that states more of a permanence. And so I was thinking about that, and I wrote this song called New Year's Day. There are two lines in this song that I've been saving for a really long time for the right moment. And I just picked them for the song and I'm really excited about them. And the first one is, please don't ever become a stranger whose laugh I could recognize anywhere. And the other one is, hold on to the memories, they will hold on to you. Okay, and then I'm going to read this other line or quote from Jack. Because I think this kind of says like everything you really need to say about New Year's Day. Or the beauty of New Year's Day. He said, it was the quickest song to record. If you listen to the piano on that record, you can hear me moving around. You hear things clicking. Those are the scratch takes. We did that very quickly. It came out in that sort of goofy Hollywood version of how music is written, where it comes out of moments of inspiration. Part of the process is you do that scratch take, and then you do it for real. We just sat there. That's the song. You want a song to sound like itself. You want to get the perfect tune. You don't want to get the absolute perfect vocal take or the perfect panning or compression. You just want it to sound like itself. You want to feel like you're home within the song. I don't know what we would be thinking if we tried to fuck with it. I'm so proud of it because personally, I think it's some sort of hint at the future. Which to me feels very much like a folklore evermore premonition. Interesting. So, but that's something I've always loved about the song is that like scratchiness to it. You can hear there's ambiance to the song which I think makes the song. This was my favorite when I first listened to the album. I love that she ends on New Year's Day too because I don't know, the album's just like a full emotional journey and to end on such a soft note, I think it just encapsulates where she was at the time. I think it encapsulates the intimacy of the album, especially with the fact that, you know, he said that what is on the album is the scratch take. I didn't know that, I guess. It sounds kind of like scratchy i guess (laughs) that's something i've always loved about is it's like it sounds almost like a demo you know when i guess it kind of was 
our favorite lines were, mine was, please don't ever become a stranger whose laugh I could recognize anywhere. And yours was, I'll be there if you're the toast of the town, babe, or if you strike out and you're crawling home. I do not find myself listening to this song a lot lately, though, or like in the past years. I just don't go back to it as much for some reason. Mm. I don't seek this song out very much, but I hardly ever do that with slower ballady type, mm-hmm. specifically piano songs don't read the last page but i stay when you're lost and i'm scared and you're turning away so she's like don't look to the end like i don't want to spoil this for you but i'm gonna be here (laughs) spoiler alert i'm staying (laughs) i want your midnights but i'll be cleaning up bottles with you on new year's day it's just a very good concept and i love the the line that she saved in here, or one of the two, that she says, please don't ever become a stranger whose laugh I could recognize anywhere. I think that's the highlight of the song to me. Like any time that you have ever had someone in your life, like a friend or someone you were in a relationship with, or maybe a family member that you've lost touch with or whatever, someone's laugh is such a distinctly unique Mm -hmm. aspect of them. And if you have ever been out somewhere and you hear someone's laugh, you are able to immediately recognize who that person is. Oh, that's you. <laughs> I was just trying to think of your laugh. Everybody's laugh that I know. Yours is, well, one of your laughs is you go like, you make like a sh- sound. Like that? I didn't think about that. That's funny. <laughs> and then I love all the imagery of girls carrying their shoes down in the lobby, mm. candle wax and polar. New Year's Eve is an untapped floor. fountain of musical inspiration and, and all kinds mm-hmm. of inspiration. I love New Year's. So that's that's reputation, everybody. I hope that you've learned something here today. Mm-hmm. Anything you would like to say, Kaya? Closing thoughts? Too much pressure. <laughs> Closing thoughts? Well, yeah, you want me to say the last thing? I think what I would like to say is I hope that you spend time with reputation If it is new to you in any way, I hope that you spend time with it to understand all of the nuance to this album. And kind of like Taylor said, a lot of people see reputation and they think, oh, snakes, strobe lights, but there's much more to it. So I hope that this has enlightened you in some way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Further Explanation. If you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review it really helps us a lot and join us over on patreon the link will be in the show notes we have video accompaniments to every episode and exclusive content that you will only get on patreon joining us on patreon helps support the creation of the podcast and follow us on socials the links will be in the show notes and we will talk to you in the next episode thank you so much for being here love chatting with you guys bye bye